Thank you for listening to this free audiobook created by Project Gutenberg and Microsoft AI. To learn more about the project or give feedback on the quality of a recording, please visit aka.ms/audiobook. Ballads of Mystery and Miracle and Fits of Mirth by Frank Sidgwick. Contents. Preface. 9. Ballads in the Second Series. X. Additional note on ballad commonplaces. 16. Thomas Reimer. 1. The Queen of Elfin's New Rice. 6. Alison Gross. 9. The Laily Worm and the Mockerel of the Sea. 12. Kempa Wine. 16. Willie's Lady. 19. The Wee Wee Man. 24. Cospatrick. 26. Young Akin. 32. The Unquiet Grave. 41. Clerk Colvin. 43. Tam Lin. 47. The Clerk's T.W.A. Sons O. Ausenford. 56. The Wife of Usher's Well. 60. The Great Silky of Sulskeri. 63. Clerk Sanders. 66. Young Hunting. 74. The Three Ravens. 80. The T.W.A. Corbus. 82. 83. The Lykewake Dirge. 88. The Bonnie Earl of Murray. 92. Bonnie George Campbell. 95. The Lament of the Border Widow. 97. Bonnie Behoem. 100. The Lowlands of Holland. 102. Fair Helen of Kirkinell. 104. Sir Hugh or the Jew's Daughter. 107. The Damon Lover. 112. The Broomfield Hill. 115. Willie's Fatal Visit. 119. Adam. 123. St. Stephen and King Herod. 125. The Cherry Tree Carol. 129. The Carnal and the Crane. 133. Dives and Lazarus. 139. Brown Robin's Confession. 143. Judas. 145. The Maid and the Palmer. 152. Lady Isabel and the Elf Knight. 155. A Noble Riddle Wisely Expounded. 159. Captain Wedderburn. 162. The Elfin Knight. 170. King John and the Abbot. 173. The Falls Knight Upon the Road. 180. The Lord of Learn. 182. The Bailiff's Daughter of Islington. 202. Glenlegy. 205. King Orfeo. 208. The Baffled Knight. 212. 215. The Friar in the Well. 221. The Knight and the Shepherd's Daughter. 224. Get Up and Bar the Door. 231. Appendix. 235. The Grey Selchie of Shulskeri. 235. The Lykewake Dirge. 238. Index of Titles. 245. Index of First Lines. 
247. Preface. Preface. The issue of this second volume of popular ballads of the olden time has been delayed chiefly by the care given to the texts, in most instances the whole requiring to be copied by hand. The. I consider myself fortunate to be enabled, by the kind service of my friend Mr. A. Francis Stewart, to print for the first time in a collection of ballads the version of the Grey Selchie of Schulskeri given in the appendix. It is a feather in the cap of any ballad editor after Professor Child to discover a ballad that escaped his eye. My thanks are also due to the Rev. Professor W. W. Skeet for assistance generously given in connection with the Ballad of Judas, and, as before, to Mr. A. H. Bullen. F. S. Ballads in the Second Series. Ballads in the Second Series. The ballads in the present volume have been classified roughly so as to fall under the heads I, Ballads of Superstition and of the Supernatural, including Dirges, pages 1 to 122, 2, Ballads of Sacred Origin, pages 123 to 154, 3, Ballads of Riddle and Repartee, pages 155 to 181, and 4, A Few Ballads, Otherwise Almost Unclassifiable, collected under the title of Fits of Mirth, or Merry Ballads, pages 182 to end. The. I. That the majority of the ballads in the first section are Scottish can hardly cause surprise. Superstition lurks amongst the mountains and in the corners of the earth. And with one remarkable exception, all the best lyrical work in these ballads of the supernatural is to be found in the Scots. Thomas Rymer, Tamlin, the wife of Usher's Well, Clerk Sanders, and the Damon Lover are perhaps the most notable examples amongst the ballads proper, and Fair Helen of Kirkinell, the T.W.A. Corbus, and Bonnie George Campbell amongst the dirges. All these are known wherever poetry is read. For dullness, the creeping Saxons. For beauty and amorousness, the Gatehills. But the exception referred to above, the unquiet grave, is true English, and yet lyrical, singing itself, like a genuine ballad to a tune as one reads. The complete superstition hinted at in this ballad should perhaps be stated more fully. It is obvious that excessive mourning is fatal to the peace of the dead, but it is also to be noticed that it is almost equally fatal to the mourner. The mourner in the unquiet grave is refused the kiss demanded, as it will be fatal. Clerk Sanders, on the other hand, has lost, if ever it possessed, any trace of this doctrine. For Margaret does not die, though she would have died had she kissed him, we notice, and the kiss was demanded by her and refused by him, and Clerk Sanders is only disturbed in his grave because he has not got back his troth plight. The method of giving this back, the stroking of a wand, we have had before in the Brown Girl, first series, pages 60-62, to 62, st. 14. In the Helgi cycle of early western epics, Corpus Poeticum Boreal, volume 1, pages 128 ff. Helgi the hero is slain, and returns as a ghost to his lady, who follows him to his grave. But her tears are bad for him, they fall in blood on his corpse. The subject of the Lykewake would easily bear a monograph to itself, and at present I know of none. I have therefore ventured, in choosing Aubrey's version in place of the better-known one printed, and doubtless written over, by Sir Walter Scott, to give rather fuller information concerning the dirge, its folklore, and its bibliography. 
A short study of the ramifications of the various superstitions incorporated therein leads to a sort of surprise that there is no popular ballad treating of the subject of S.T. Patrick's Purgatory, which has attracted more than one English poet. Thomas Wright's volume on the subject, however, is delightful and instructive reading. 2. The short section of ballads of sacred origin contains all that we possess in England. Notice that only two have Scottish variants, even fragmentary and somewhat more than can be classified as ballads with strictness. Yet I would fain have added other of our masterless carols, which today seem to survive chiefly in the west of England. One of their best lovers, Mr. Quiller Couch, has complained that, after promising himself to include a representative selection of carols in his anthology, he was chagrined to discover that they lost their quaint delicacy when placed among other more artificial lyrics. Perhaps they would have been more at home set amongst these ballads, but I have excluded them with the less regret in remembering that they stand well alone in the collections of Sylvester, Sandys, Husk, in the reprints of Thomas Wright, and in more recent years, in the selections of Mr. A. H. Bullen and Canon Beeching. The Maid and the Palmer would appear to be the only ballad of Christ's wanderings on the earth that we possess, just as Brown Robin's Confession is the only one of the miracles of the Virgin. One may guess, however, that others have descended rapidly into nursery rhymes, as in the case of one, noted in J. O. Halliwell's collection, which, in its absence, may be called the owl, or the baker's daughter. For Ophelia knew that they said the owl was the baker's daughter. And the story of her metamorphosis is exactly paralleled by the Norse story of Gertrude's bird, translated by Dossent. Gertrude was an old woman with a red much on her head, who was kneading dough, when Christ came wandering by and asked for a small bannock. Gertrude took a niggardly pinch of dough and began to roll it into a bannock, but as she rolled it grew until she put it aside as too large to give away and took a still smaller pinch. This also grew miraculously and was put aside. The same thing happened a third time till she said, I cannot roll you a small bannock. Then Christ said, For your selfishness you shall become a bird and seek your food twixt bark and bull. Gertrude at once became a bird, and flew up into a tree with a screech. And to this day the great woodpecker of Scandinavia is called Gertrude's bird, and has a red head. 3. The ballads of riddle and repartee do not amount to very many in our tongue. But they contain riddles which may be found in one form or another in nearly every folklore on the earth. Even Samson had a riddle. Always popular, they seem to have been especial favorites in early Oriental literature, in the medieval Latin races, and in slightly more modern times, amongst the Teutonic and Scandinavian peoples. Perhaps King John and the Abbot is the best English specimen, for it is today as pleasing to an audience as it can ever have been. But Lady Isabel and the Elf Knight, better known as Macolden, is the most startling of any, in its myriad ramifications and supposed origin. Four. The fits of mirth conclude the present volume. It may be as well to say here that I have placed under this head any ballad that tells of a successful issue, and has a happy ending or mirthful climax. The version I have given of that famous ballad The Lord of Learn, or, more commonly, Lorne, is most enchanting in its naivete, and when read aloud or recited, is exceedingly effective. The curious remark that the affectionate parting between the young lord and his father and mother would have changed even a Jew's heart, the picturesque description of the siege of the castle, so close that a swallow could not have flown away, 
the sudden descent from romance to a judicial trial, the remarkable assumption by the foreman of the jury of the privileges of a judge, and the thoroughly satisfactory description of the false steward's execution. I wish they did him cursely cumber. All these helped to form the ever-popular Lord of Learn. The remaining fits of mirth are mostly well known, and require no further comment. Addition to Glossary of Ballad Commonplaces Addition to Glossary of Ballad Commonplaces The late Professor York Powell explained to me, since the note on Gare, first series, page one, was written, that the word means exactly what is meant by gore in modern dressmaking. The antique skirt was made of four pieces, two cut square, to form the front and the back, and two of a triangular shape, to fill the space between, the apex of the triangle, of course, being at the waist. Thus a knife that hangs low down by a person's gear, simply means that the knife hung at the side and not in front. The. Thomas Rhymer. The text. The best-known text of this famous ballad is that given by Scott in the minstrelsy of the Scottish border, derived from a copy obtained from a lady residing not far from Ursuldown, corrected and enlarged by one in Mrs. Brown's M.S. Scott's ballad is compounded, therefore, of a traditional version, and the one here given, from the Titler Brown M.S., which was printed by Jameson with a few changes. It does not mention Huntly Bank or the Alden Tree. Scott's text may be seen printed parallel with Jameson's and Professor J. A. H. Murray's book referred to below. The text. Mess. Mess. The story. As early as the 14th century there lived a Thomas of Ursuldown, or Thomas the Rhymer, who had a reputation as a seer and prophet. His fame was not extinct in the 19th century, and a collection of prophecies by him and Merlin and others, first issued in 1603, could be found at the beginning of that century in most farmhouses in Scotland, Murray, The Romance and Prophecies of Thomas of Ursuldown, E.T.S., 1875. The existence of a Thomas de Ursuldown, son and heir of Thomas Rymer de Ursuldown, both living during the 13th century, is recorded in contemporary documents. The Story A poem, extant in five manuscripts, all printed by Murray as above, of which the earliest was written about the middle of the 15th century, relates that Thomas of Ursuldown his prophetic powers were given him by the Queen of Elfland, who bore him away to her country for some years, and then restored him to this world lest he should be chosen for the tribute paid to hell. So much is told in the first fit, which corresponds roughly to our ballad. The rest of the poem consists of prophecies taught to him by the Queen. The poem contains references to a still earlier story, which probably narrated only the episode of Thomas's adventure in Elfland, and to which the prophecies of Thomas Rymer of Ursildown were added at a later date. The story of Thomas and the Queen of Elfland is only another version of a legend of Ogre Le Denois and Morgan the Fay. Our ballad is almost certainly derived directly from the poem, and the version here given is not marred by the repugnant ending of Scott's ballad, where Thomas objects to the gift of a tongue that can never lie. But Scott's version retains Huntly Bank and the Alden Tree, both mentioned in the old poem, and both exactly located during last century at the foot of the Alden Hills, above Melrose, see an interesting account in Murray, opposite, introduction, pages L. Lee and footnotes. Thomas Rymer. True Thomas lay o'er yon grassy bank. True. And he beheld a lady gay. A lady that was brisk and bold. Come riding o'er the ferny bray. Her skirt was of the grass-green silk. 
her mantle of the velvet fine. At Ilkatet of her horse's mane hung fifty silver bells and nine. True Thomas he took off his hat and bowed him low down till his knee. All hail, thou mighty queen of heaven, for your peer on earth I never did see. Oh no, oh no, true Thomas, she says, that name does not belong to me. I am but the queen of fair Elfland, and I'm come here for to visit thee. But ye mon go why me now, Thomas. True Thomas, ye mon go why me. For ye mon serve me seven years. Through wheel or way, as may chance to be. She turned about her milk-white steed, and took true Thomas up behind. And I wiener her bridle rang. The steed flew swifter than the wind. For forty days and forty nights. He weighed through red blood to the knee. And he saw either sun nor moon. But heard the roaring of the sea. Oh, they raid on and further on. Until they came to a garden green. Light down, light down, ye lady free. Some of that fruit let me pull to thee. Oh, no, oh, no, true Thomas, she says. That fruit ma not be touched by thee. For the plagues that are in hell. Light on the fruit of this country. But I have a loaf here in my lap. Likewise a bottle of claret wine. And now ere we go farther on. We'll rest a while, and ye may dine. When he had eaten and drunk his fill. Lay down your head upon my knee. The lady said, Ere we climb yon hill. And I will show you fairly's three. Oh, see not ye yon narrow road. So thick beset why thorns and briars. That is the path of righteousness. Though after it but few inquires. And see not ye that braid braid road. That lies across yon lily laven. That is the path of wickedness. Though some call it the road to heaven. And see not ye that bonny road. Which winds about the ferny bray. That is the road to fair Elfland. Where you and I this night mon gee. But Thomas, ye mon hold your tongue. Whatever you may hear or see. For gin a word you should chance to speak. You will ne'er get back to your own country. He has gotten a coat of the even cloth. And a pair of shoes of velvet green. Until seven years were passed and gone. True Thomas on earth was never seen. The queen of Elfin's new rice. The text. As printed in Sharp's Ballad Book, from the Skeen MS. Number 8. It is fragmentary, regrettably so, especially as stanzas 10 to 12 belong to Thomas Reimer. The text. Mess. The story is the well-known one of the abduction of a young mother to be the queen of Elfland's nurse. Fairies, elves, water sprites, and nisses or brownies have constantly required mortal assistance in the nursing of fairy children. Gervis of Tilbury himself saw a woman stolen away for this purpose, as she was washing clothes in the Rhone. The story. The genuineness of this ballad, deficient as it is, is best proved by its lyrical nature, which, as Child says, forces you to chant, and will not be read. Elfin, of course, is Elfland, New Rice, a nurse. The Queen of Elfin's New Rice. I heard a cow low, a bonny cow low. I heard. And a cow low down in yon glen. Lang, lang, will my young son greet, or his mother bid him come ben. I heard a cow low, a bonny cow low. And a cow low down in yon fault. Lang, lang, will my young son greet, or his mither take him fray cult. Waken, queen of elfin, and hear your new rice moan. 
O moan ye for your meat. Or moan ye for your fee. Or moan ye for the ether bounties. That ladies are wont to gie. I moan not for my meat. Nor moan I for my fee. Nor moan I for the ether bounties. That ladies are wont to gie. But I moan for my young son. I left in four nights old. I moan not for my meat. Nor yet for my fee. But I mourn for Christen land. It's there I fain would be. O oh, nurse my bairn Nurice, she says, till he stand at your knee. And yes when hame to Christen land. War fain it's ye wad be. O oh, keep my bairn Nurice, till he gang by the halt. And yes when hame to your young son, ye left in four nights alt. O oh, Nurice lay your head. You pull my knee. See ye now that narrow road. Up by yon tree? That's the road the righteous goes. And that's the road to heaven. And see now ye that braid road. Down by yon sunny fell? Yon's the road the wicked gee. And that's the road to hell. Alison Gross. The text is that of the Jameson Brown M.S. The text. M.S. The story is one of the countless variations of the French beauty and the beast. A modern Greek tale narrates that a nereid enamored of a youth, and by him scorned, turned him into a snake till he should find another love as fair as she. The story. The feature of this ballad is that the queen of the fairies should have power to undo the evil done by a witch. Alison Gross. Oh, Alison Gross, that lives in Yantor. Oh, Alison Gross. The ugliest witch I the north country. Has trist me a day up till her bower. And mony fair speech she made to me. She stroked my head and she kemmed my hair. And she set me down softly on her knee. Says, Jin you will be my lemon so true. Essay Imani brought things as I would you gi dot. She showed me a mantle o' oh, red scarlet. Why gout and fluorescent fringes fine. Says, Jin you will be my lemon essay true. This goodly gift it shall be thine. Awa, awa, ye ugly witch. Hod far awa, and lat me be. I never will be your lemon essay true. And I wish I were out o' oh, your company. She niece brought a sarco the softest silk. Well wrought white pearls about the ban. Says, Jin you will be my own true love. This goodly gift you shall come man dot. She showed me a cup of the good red gold. Well set white jewels essay fair to see. Says, Jin you will be my lemon essay true. This goodly gift I will you gi dot. Awa, awa, ye ugly witch. Had far awa, and lap me be. For I wouldn't ance kiss your ugly mouth. For of the gifts that you cowed gi dot. She's turned her right and ruined about. And thrice she blaw on a grass green horn. And she swear by the mean and the stars a bean. That she'd gar me rue the day I was born. Then out has she tain a silver wand. And she's turned her three times ruin and ruin. She's muttered such words till my strength had failed. And I fell down senseless upon the ground. She's turned me into an ugly worm. And guard me toddle about the tree. And I, on Ilka Saturday's night, my sister Maisry came to me. Why silver basin and silver chem? To chem my heady upon her knee. But or I had kissed her ugly mouth. I'd rather a toddled about the tree. But as it fell out on last Halloween, when the Seely Court was riding by, the queen lighted down on a gowany bank. Nay far fray the tree where I won't to lie. 
she took me up in her milk-white han, and she stroked me three times o'er her knee. She charmed me again to my improper shape, and I named Mermon Tottle about the tree, the laily worm and the mockerel of the sea. The text of this mutilated ballad is taken from the Skeen MS, where it was written down from recitation in the north of Scotland about 1802. The text, MS. The story is of a double transformation of a sister and brother by a stepmother. Compare the story of the marriage of Sir Gawain, first series, page 108. Alison Gross should be compared closely with this ballad. The combing of hair seems to be a favorite method of expressing affection, not only in these ballads, but also in Scandinavian folklore. It is needless to take exception to the attribution either of hair to a worm, or of knees to a mockerel, though we may note that in one version of Dives and Lazarus Dives has a place prepared in hell to sit on a serpent's knee. However, it is probable that a part of the ballad, now lost, stated that the mockerel, whatever it may be, reassumed human shape every Saturday at noon. The Story The Laily Worm and the Mockerel of the Sea I was but seven year old, when my mither she did die. My father married the A.E. Worst Woman. The world did ever see, for she has made me the laily worm that lies at the foot o' the tree, and my sister Masery she's made, the mockerel of the sea, and every Saturday at noon, the mockerel comes to me, and she takes my laily head, and lays it on her knee. She cames at why a siller came, and washes tea in the sea. Seven nights hay I slain, sin I lay at the foot of the tree. And you wore now my ain father, the aid in ye should be. Sing on your song, ye laily worm, that ye did sing to me. I never sung that song but what? I would sing it to thee. I was but seven year old, when my mither she did die. My father married the aye worst woman, the world did ever see. For she changed me to the laily worm, that lies at the foot o' the tree, and my sister Masery to the mockerel of the sea, and every Saturday at noon, the mockerel comes to me, and she takes my laily head, and lays it on her knee, and comes it why a siller came, and washes it i the sea, seven nights hay I slain, sin I lay at the foot o' the tree, and you wore now my ain father, the eighth thing ye shall be, he sent for his lady, as fast as send could he, War is my son that ye sent frae me. And my daughter, Lady Masery? Your son is at our king's court, serving for meat and fee. And your daughter's at our queen's court. Ye lie, ye a woman. Esse ye loud as I hear ye lie. My son's the laily worm that lies at the foot o' the tree. And my daughter, Lady Masery, is the mockerel of the sea. She has ta'en a siller one and Gion him strokes three, and he has started up the bravest knight that ever your eyes did see. She has ta'en a small horn, and loud and shrill blew she, and of the fish came her until, but the proud mockerel of the sea. Ye shape ye at me ants an unseemly shape, and yes never mere shape me. He has sent to the wood, for winds and for hawthorn, and he has ta'en that gay lady, and there he did her burn. Kempa wine. The text is that given, nearly literatum, by Buchan and Motherwell, and also in the Mises of the latter. The text, Mss.
the story. This adventure of Owain, Owain, the king's son Urien, Owain, etc., with the subsequent transformation, has a parallel in an Icelandic saga. Rehabilitation in human shape by means of a kiss is a common tale in the Scandinavian area. Occasionally three kisses are necessary. The story. A similar ballad, now lost, but rewritten by the contributor, from scraps of recitation by an old woman in Berwickshire, localizes the story of the fire drake, the Laidley Worm, near Bamborough in Northumberland, and Kinloch said that the term child Owain was still applied by disconsolate damsels of Bamborough to any youth who champions them. However, Mr. R. W. Clark of Bamborough, who has kindly made inquiries for me, could find no survival of this use. The ballad is also called Kempion. Kempawine. Her mother died when she was young. Her. Which gave her cause to make great moan. Her father married the worst woman. That ever lived in Christendom. She served her with foot and hand. In everything that she could dee. Till once, in an unlucky time, she threw her in our craggy sea. Says, lie you there, dove Isabel. And all my sorrows lie with thee. Till Kempa wine come out of the sea. And borrow you with kisses three. Let all the world do what they will. O borrowed shall you never be. Her breath grew strang, her hair grew lang. And twisted thrice about the tree. And all the people, far and near, Thought that a savage beast was she. These news did come to Kempawine, where he lived far beyond the sea. He hasted him to Craigie's sea, and on the savage beast looked he. Her breath was strang, her hair was lang, and twisted was about the tree, and with a swing she came about. Come to Craigie's sea, and kiss with me. Here is a royal belt, she cried, that I have found in the green sea. And while your body it is on, drawn shall your blood never be. But if you touch me, tail or fin, I vow my belt your death shall be. He stepped in, gave her a kiss. The royal belt he brought him why. Her breath was strang, her hair was lang, and twisted twice about the tree. And with a swing she came about. Come to Craigie's sea, and kiss with me. Here is a royal ring, she said that I have found in the green sea. And while your finger it is on, drawn shall your blood never be. But if you touch me, tail or fin, I swear my ring your death shall be. He stepped in, gave her a kiss. The royal ring he brought him why. Her breath was strang, her hair was lang, and twisted ants about the tree. And with a swing she came about. Come to Craigie's sea, and kiss with me. Here is a royal brand, she said, that I have found in the green sea. And while your body it is on, drawn shall your blood never be. But if you touch me, tail or fin, I swear my brand your death shall be. He stepped in, gave her a kiss. The royal brand he brought him why. Her breath was sweet, her hair grew short, and twisted Nane about the tree. And smilingly she came about as fair a woman as fair could be, Willie's lady. The text is from the lost Fraser Teitler Brown MS, this ballad luckily having been transcribed before the MS, disappeared. Mrs. Brown recited another and a fuller version to Jameson. The text, MS, MS, the story, Willie's mother, 
a witch, displeased at her son's choice, maliciously arrests by witchcraft the birth of Willie's son. Willie's traveling wife sends him again and again to bribe the witch, who refuses cup, steed, and girdle. Here our version makes such abrupt transitions, that it will be well to explain what takes place. The Belly Blind or Billy Blinn, see Young Biki, first series, pages 6, 7, advises Willie to make a sham baby of wax, and invite his witch mother to the christening. Willie does so, in stanzas lost between our 33 and 34. The witch, believing the wax baby to be flesh and blood, betrays all her craft by asking who has loosed the knots, tain out the cames, tain down the woodbine, etc., these being the magic rites by which she has suspended birth. Willie instantly looses the knots and takes out the cames, and his wife presents him with a bonny young son. The story. The story is common in Danish ballads, and occasional in Swedish. In the classics, Juno, Hera, on two occasions delayed childbirth and cheated Alithia, the sufferers being Latona and Alcmini. But the latest version of the story is said to have occurred in Erin in the 19th century. A young man, forsaking his sweetheart, married another maiden, who when her time came suffered exceedingly. A packman who chanced to be passing heard the tale and suspected the cause. Going to the discarded sweetheart, he told her that her rival had given birth to a fine child. Thereupon she sprang up, pulled a large nail out of the beam, and called to her mother, Muckle good your craft has done. The laboring wife was delivered forthwith. See the Folklore Record, Volume 2. Page 117. Willie's Lady. Willie has ta'en him o'er the fame. Willie. He's wooed a wife and brought her hame. He's wooed her for her yellow hair. But his mother wrought her mickle care. And mickle dolagard her dree. For lighter she can never be. But in her bower she sits wide pain. And Willie mourns o'er her in vain. And to his mother he has gone. That vile rank which of vilest kind. He says, my lady has a cup. Why goud and silver set about? This good light gift shall be your eyne. And let her be lighter, O her young bairn. Of her young bairn she'll ne'er be lighter. Nor in her bower to shine the brighter. But she shall die and turn to clay. And you shall wed another may. Another may I'll never wed. Another may I'll ne'er bring home. But sighing says that weary white. I wish my life were at an end. Ye do, ye, unto your mother again. That vile rank which of vilest kind. And say your lady has a steed. The like O.M.'s know in the lands of lead. For he's golden shod before. And he's golden shod behind. And at Ilkatet of that horse's mane. There's a golden chest and a bell ringing. This good like gift shall be your ein. And let me be lighter of my young bairn. O her young bairn she'll ne'er be lighter nor in her bower to shine the brighter. But she shall die and turn to clay. And ye shall wed another may. Another may I'll never wed. Another may I'll ne'er bring hame. But sighing said that weary white. I wish my life were at an end. Ye do, ye, unto your mother again. That vile rank which of vilest kind. And say your lady has a girdle. It's red gout unto the middle. And I, at every silver hem. Hangs fifty silver bells and ten. That good light gifts all be her ein. And let me be lighter of my young bairn. O her young bairn she's ne'er be lighter. Nor in her bower to shine the brighter. But she shall die and turn to clay.
and you shall wed another may. Another may I'll never wed. Another may I'll ne'er bring hame. But sighing says that weary white. I wish my life were at an end. Then out and spake the belly blind. He spake I in good time. Ye do ye to the marketplace. And there ye buy a loaf o' wax. Ye shape it barren and barrenly like. And in TWA glass and in ye pit. And bid her come to your boy's christening. Then notice will what she shall do. And do you stand a little forby. And listen will what she shall say. O wa has loosed the nine witch knots. That was amo that lady's locks. And wa has tain out the cames of care. That hangs amo that lady's hair. And was tain down the bush o woodbine. That hang atween her bower and mine. And wa has killed the master kid. That ran beneath that lady's bed. And wa has loosed her left foot she. And lot in that lady lighter be. O Willie has loosed the nine witch knots. That was Amo that lady's locks. And Willie's tain out the cames o care. That hang Amo that lady's hair. And Willie's tain down the bush o woodbine. That hang atween her bower and thine. And Willie has killed the master kid. That ran beneath that lady's bed. And Willie has loosed her left foot she. And let in his lady lighter be. And now he's gotten a bonny young son. And Mickle Grace be him upon. The wee wee man. The text is that of Herd's M.S. And his Scots songs. Other versions vary very slightly. And this is the oldest of them. The text. M.S. There is a 14th century M.S. In the Cotton Collection. Containing a poem not unlike the wee wee man. But there is no justification in deriving the ballad from the poem. Which may be found in Ritson's Ancient Songs. 1829. I. Page 40. Mess. Scott incorporates the story with the young Tam Lane. The wee wee man. As I was walking all alone. As. Between a water and a wa. And there I spied a wee wee man. And he was the least that e'er I saw. His legs were scarce a shaftman's length. And thick and timber was his thigh. Between his brows there was a span. And between his shoulders there was three. He took up a meekle stain, and he flanked he as far as I could see. Though I had been a Wallace White, I couldn't a lift into my knee. O oh, wee wee man, but thou be strang. Oh, tell me where thy dwelling be. My dwelling's down at yon bonny bower. Oh, will you go with me and see? On we lap, and addle we raid, till we came to yon bonny green. We lighted down for to bait our horse, and out there came a lady fine. Four and twenty at her back, and they were a clad out in green, though the king of Scotland had been there. The war so them might hae been his queen. On we lap, and addle we raid, till we came to yon bonny ha, where the roof was old the beaten gould, and the floor was old the crystalla, when we came to the stairfoot. Ladies were dancing, jimp and SMA, but in the twinkling of an eye, my wee wee man was clean awa. Cospatrick. The text is that of Scott's Minstrelsy, 1802. It was taken down from the recitation of a lady, his mother's sister, Miss Christian Rutherford, and collated with a copy in the Titler Brown MS. The ballad is also called Gil Brenton, Lord Dingwell, Bangwell, Bangwell, or Brangwell, Bothwell, etc. The text. Mess. The story is a great favorite, not only in Scandinavian ballads 
but also in all northern literature. The magical agency of bed, blankets, sheets, and sword is elsewhere extended to a chair, a stepping stone by the bedside, see the boy and the mantle, first series, page 119, or the Billy Blinn, see young Biki, first series, pages 6, 7, and Willie's Lady, page 19. The Norwegian tale of Oss and the Prince is known to English readers in day since Annie the Goose Girl. The Prince is possessed of a stepping stone by his bedside, which answers his question night and morning, and enables him to detect the supposititious bride. See also Jameson's translation of Ingefred and Gudrun, in Illustrations of Northern Antiquities, page 340. The Story Cospatrick Cospatrick has sent o'er the fame. Cospatrick Cospatrick brought his lady hame, and fourscore ships have come her why. The lady by the greenwood tree. There were twal and twal why bacon bread, and twal and twal why gowd essay reed, and twal and twal why bowed flower, and twal and twal why the paramour. Sweet Willie was a widow's son, and at her stirrup he did run, and she was clad in the finest pall, but I she let the tears down fall. Oh, is your saddle set awry? Or rides your steed for you or high? Or are you mourning in your tide? That you sold be Cospatrick's bride? I am not mourning at this tide. That I sold be Cospatrick's bride. But I am sorrowing in my mood. That I sold leave my mother good. But gentle boy, come tell to me. What is the custom of thy count try? The custom thereof, my dame, he says. Will ill a gentle lay die, please? Seven kings' daughters has our lord wedded, and seven kings' daughters has our lord bedded. But he's cut their breasts fray their breast bane, and sent them mourning hame again. Yet, gin you're sure that you're a maid, you may gee safely to his bed. But jif o oh, that ye be not sure, then hire some damsel o your boar. The ladies called her boar maiden. That waiting was into her train. Five thousand mercs I will gie thee to sleep this night with my lord for me. When bells were rung, and mass was sane, and a men unto bed were gain. Cospatrick and the bonny maid, into a chamber they were laid. Now speak to me, blankets, and speak to me, bed, and speak, thou sheet, enchanted web, and speak up, my bonny brown sword, that win a lie. Is this a true maiden that lies by me? It is not a maid that you hae wedded, but it is a maid that you hae bedded. It is a leal maiden that lies by thee, but not the maiden that it should be. O wrathfully he left the bed, and wrathfully his clay son did, and he has ta'en him through the ha, and on his mother he did see. I am the most unhappy man that ever was in Christen land. I courted a maiden meek and mild, and I hae gotten anything but a woman why child. O stay, my son, into this ha, and sport ye why your merriment, and I will to the secret bore, to see how it fares why your paramour, the carline she was stark and stewer, she af the hinges dang the doer. Oh, is your bairn to laird or loon, or is it to your father's groom? Oh, hear me, mother, on my knee, till my sad story I tell to thee. Oh, we were sisters, sisters seven, we were the fairest under heaven. It fell on a summer's afternoon. When our toilsome task was done, we cast the cavils us a main, to see which salt to the greenwood gang. 
O Han! Alas, for I was youngest. And I my weird it was the hardest. The cavalet on me did F.A. Wilk was the cause of a my woe. For to the greenwood I mon gi. To pee you the red rose and the sleigh. To pee you the red rose and the thyme. To deck my mother's boar and mine. I hadn't a pee you the flower but ain. When by there came a gallant hand. Why high called hose and lay called shoon. And he seemed to be some king's son. And be I maid, or be I nay. He kept me there till the close o' day. And be I maid, or be I nane. He kept me there till the day was done. He gave me a lock o' his yellow hair. And bade me keep it evermere. He gave me a carknet o' bonny beads. And bade me keep it against my needs. He gave to me a gay gold ring. And bade me keep it a buna thing. What did ye why the tokens rare? That ye gat fray that gallant there? Oh, bring that coffer unto me. And of the tokens ye saw see. Now stay, daughter, your boar within. While I gee parley why my son. Oh, she has tain her through the ha. And on her son began to see a. What did ye why the bonny beads? I bade ye keep against your needs. What did ye why the gay gold ring? I bade you keep a bein a thing. I gee them to a lady gay. I met in Greenwood on a day. But I wad gie my halls and tours. I had that lady within my boars. But I wad gie my very life. I had that lady to my wife. Now keep, my son, your haws and tours. Ye have that bright bird in your boars. And keep, my son, your very life. Ye have that lady to your wife. Now, or a month was come and gain. The lady bore a bonny son. And twas will written on his breast bane. Cospatrick is my father's name. O row my lady in satin and silk. And wash my son in the morning milk. Young akin. The text is taken from Buchan's Ballads of the North of Scotland, and, like nearly all Buchan's versions, exhibits traces of vulgar remolding. This ballad in particular has lost much of the original features. Kinloch called his version Hind Etten, Allingham his compilation Etten the Forester. The text. The story is given in a far finer style in romantic Scandinavian ballads. Prior translated two of them, The Maid and the Dwarf King, and Agnes and the Merman, both Danish. The Norse ballads on this subject, which may still be heard some, are exceptionally beautiful. Child says they should make an Englishman's heart ring for his loss. The story. In the present version we may with some confidence attribute to Buck in the stanzas from 48 to the end, as well as 15 and 16. The preference is given to Buchan's text merely because it retains features lost in Kinloch's version. Young Akin. Lady Margaret sits in her bower door. Lady. Sewing at her silken seam. She heard a note in Elman's wood. And wished she there had been. She loot the seam F.A. Frey her side. And the needle to her tay. And she is on to Elman wood. As fast as she cowed gee. She hadn't a a nut a nut. Nor broken a branch but ain. Till by it came a young hind cheel. Says Lady Ladelaine. Oh why pee ye the nut the nut. Or why break ye the tree. For I am forester o' this wood. Ye shall spire leave at me. I'll ask leave at no living man. Nor yet will I at thee. My father is king o'er this realm. This wood belongs to me. She hadn't a pee a nut a nut. Nor broken a branch but three.
till by came him young akin, and guard her lat them be, the highest tree in Elman's wood. He's peered it by the reed, and he has built for her a bower, near by a hollow seat. He's built a bower, made it secure. Why carbuncle and stain? Though travelers were never essaying I. Appearance it had none. He's kept her there in Elman's wood, for six lang years and one, till six pretty sons to him she bear, and the seventh she's brought home. It fell ence upon a day. This G-U-I-D lord went from home, and he is to the hunting gain, took why him his eldest son, and when they were on a G-U-I-D way, why slowly paced did walk, the boy's heart being something way. He thus began to talk. A question I would ask, father. Jin you wouldn't angry be. Say on, say on, my bonny boy. Yes, he may be quarreled by me. I see my mither's cheeks I weet. I never can see them dry. And I wonder what aileth my mither. To mourn continually. Your mither was a king's daughter. Sprung fray a high degree. And she might hay wed some worthy prince. Had she nay been stound by me. I was her father's cupbearer. Just at that fatal time. I catched her on a misty night. When summer was in prime. My love to her was most sincere. Her love was great for me. But when she hardships doth endure. Her folly she does see. I'll shoot the bunton o' the bush. The linnet o' the tree. And bring them to my dear mither. See if she'll marry or be. It fell Yupo another day. This G-U-I-D lord he thought lang. And he is to the hunting gain. Took why him his dog and gun. Why bow and arrow by his side. He's aff, single, alane. And left his seven children to stay. Why their mitha at hame. Oh, I will tell to you, mither. Jin ye wadna angry be. Speak on, speak on, my little wee boy. Yes, he may be quarreled by me. As we came fray the hind hunting. We heard fine music ring. My blessings on you, my bonny boy. I wish I'd been there my lane. He's tain his mither by the hand. His six brithus also. And they are on through Elman's wood. As fast as they cowed go. They wisna wheel where they were gain. Why the stratlins owe their feet. They wisna wheel where they were gain. Till at her father's yate. I hae nae money in my pocket. But royal rings hae three. I'll gie them you, my little young son. And ye'll walk there for me. Ye'll gie the first to the proud porter. And he will let you in. Ye'll gie the next to the butler boy. And he will show you Ben. Ye'll gie the third to the minstrel. That plays before the king. He'll play success to the bonny boy. Came through the wood him lane. He gie the first to the proud porter. And he opened and let him in. He gee the next to the butler boy. And he has shown him Ben. He gee the third to the minstrel. That played before the king. And he played success to the bonny boy. Came through the wood him lane. Now when he came before the king. Fell low down on his knee. The king he turned round about. And the sought tear blinded his ee. Win up, win up, my bonny boy. Gang fray my company. You look essay like my dear daughter. My heart will burst in three. If I look like your dear daughter. A wonder it is none. If I look like your dear daughter. I am her eldest son.
Will ye tell me, ye little wee boy, where may my Margaret be? She's just now standing at your yates, and my six brithers her wide dot. Oh, where are all my porter boys, that I pay meat and fee? To open my yates bath wide and braid? Let her come in to me. When she came in before the king, fell low down on her knee. Win up, win up, my daughter dear. This day ye'll dine why me. A ye bit I can o eat, father. Nor a ye drop can I drink. Till I see my mither and sister dear. For lang for them I think. When she came before the queen. Fell low down on her knee. Win up, win up, my daughter dear. This day ye as ye dine why me. A ye bit I can o eat, mither. Nor a ye drop can I drink. Until I see my dear sister. For lang for her I think. When that these two sisters met, she hailed her courteous lie. Come, Ben, come, Ben, my sister dear. This day ye as ye dine why me. A ye bit I can o eat, sister. Nor a ye drop can I drink. Until I see my dear husband. For lang for him, I think. Oh, where are all my rangers bold? That I pay meat and fee. To search the forest far and wide. And bring a kin to me? Out it speaks the little wee boy. Na, na, this mounta be. Without ye grant a free pardon. I hope ye'll nay him see. Oh, here I grant a free pardon. Well sealed by my own han. Ye may make search for young akin. As soon as ever you can. They search the country wide and braid. The forest far and near. And found him into Elman's wood. Tearing his yellow hair. Win up, win up now, young akin. Win up and bound why me. Where messengers come from the court. The king wants you to see. Oh, let him take frame me my head. Or hang me on a tree. For since I've lost my dear lady. Life's no pleasure to me. Your head will nay be touched, akin. Nor hanged upon a tree. Your lady's in her father's court. And all he wants is thee. When he came in before the king. Fell low down on his knee. Win up, win up now, young akin. This day ye as he dine why me. But as they were at dinner set, the boy asked a bound. I wish we were in the good church. For to get christened down. We hay lived in G-U-I-D Greenwood. This seven years in ain. But at this time, since e'er I mind, was never a church within. Your asking's nay as a great, my boy. But granted it shall be. This day to G-U-I-D church ye shall gang, and your mither shall gang ye wide dot. When she came unto the G-U-I-D church, she at the door did stand. She was S-A-E Sarah sunk down why shame. She couldna come fairer ben. Then out it speaks the parish priest, and a sweet smile G-E. Come ben, come ben, my lily flower. Present your babes to me. Charles, Vincent, Sam and Dick. And likewise James and John. They called the eldest young akin. Which was his father's name. Then they stayed in the royal court. And lived why mirth and glee. And when her father was deceased. Heir of the crown was she. The unquiet grave. The text is that communicated to the folklore record volume 1. Page 60. By Miss Charlotte Latham. As it was written down from recitation by a girl in Sussex. 1868. The text. The story is so simple, 
and so reminiscent of other ballads, that we must suppose this version to be but a fragment of some forgotten ballad. Its chief interest lies in the setting forth of a common popular belief, namely, that excessive grief for the dead will not let them sleep. C.P. Tabullus, Lib. 1. Leg. 1, Lines 67-68. The Story. Two manies any lead meos, said Parcelitus. Crinibus, edi teneris, delia, pars genis. The same belief is recorded in Germany, Scandinavia, India, Persia, and ancient Greece, as well as in England and Scotland, see Sir Walter Scott, Red Gauntlet, Letter 11, Note 2. There is a version of this ballad beginning. Proud Boris makes a hideous noise. It is almost needless to add that this is from Buchan's manuscripts. The Unquiet Grave. The wind doth blow today, my love, and a few small drops of rain. I never had but one true love. In cold grave she was lain. I'll do as much for my true love as any young man may. I'll sit and mourn all at her grave for a twelvemonth and a day, the twelvemonth and a day being up. The dead began to speak. Oh, who sits weeping on my grave and will not let me sleep? Tis I, my love, sits on your grave and will not let you sleep. For I crave one kiss of your clay-cold lips, and that is all I seek. You crave one kiss of my clay-cold lips, but my breath smells earthy strong. If you have one kiss of my clay-cold lips, your time will not be long. Tis down in yonder garden green, love, where we used to walk. The finest flower that e'er was seen is withered to a stalk. The stalk is withered dry, my love. So will our hearts decay. So make yourself content, my love, till God calls you away. Clerk Colvin. The text. This ballad was one of two transcribed from the now lost Titler Brown MS, and the transcript is given here. A considerable portion of the story is lost between stanzas six and seven. The text. MS. The story in its full form is found in a German poem of the 12th or 13th century. De Ritter von Stauffenberg, as well as in many Scandinavian ballads. The story. In the German tale, the fairy bound the knight to marry no one, on that condition she would come to him whenever he wished, if he were alone, and would bestow endless gifts upon him. If ever he did marry, he would die within three days. Eventually he was forced to marry, and died as he had been warned. In seventy Scandinavian ballads, the story remains much the same. The hero's name is Allah for Ol, or some modification of this, of which Colville, or Colvin, as we have it here, is the English equivalent. Aleph, riding out, is accosted by elves or dwarfs, and one of them asks him to dance with her. If he will, a gift is offered, if he will not, a threat is made. Gifts and threats naturally vary in different versions. He attempts to escape, is struck or stabbed fatally, and rides home and dies. His bride is for some time kept in ignorance of his death by various shifts, but at last discovers the truth, and her heart breaks. Olive's mother dies also. It will be seen from this account how much is lost in our ballad. But it is evident that Clerk Colvin's lady has heard of his previous acquaintance with the mare maiden. This point survives only in four pharaoh ballads out of the seventy Scandinavian versions. The story is also found in French, Breton, Spanish, etc. Clerk Colvin. 
Clark Colvin and his gay lady. Clark. As they walked to Yon Garden Green. A belt about her middle gimp. Which cost Clark Colvin crowns fifteen. Oh, hearken will now, my good lord. Oh, hearken will to what I say. When ye gang to the wallow stream. Oh, gang nay near the well-fared may. Oh, haud your tongue, my gay lady. Tack nay sick care o me. For I nay saw a fair woman. I like so well as thee. He mounted on his berry brown steed. And Mary, Mary rade he on. Till he came to the wallow stream. And there he saw the mare maiden. You wash, you wash, you bonny may. And ice you wash your sarco's silk. It's afore you, ye gentle knight. My skin is whiter than the milk. He's tain her by the milk-white hand. He's tain her by the sleeve essay green. And he's forgotten his gay lady. And away with the fair maiden. Ohan, alas, says Clark Colvin. And I essay ye sares I mean my head. And merrily luff the mare maiden. Oh, when until you be dead. But out ye tack your little penknife. And fray my sark ye shear agare. Row that about your lovely head. And the pain ye'll never feel nay mare. Out he has tain his little penknife. And fray her sark he shorn agare. Row that about his lovely head. But the pain increased mare and mare. Ohan, alas, says Clark Colvin. And I essay ye sares I mean my head. And merrily laughed the mare maiden. It will I be war till ye be dead. Then out he drew his trusty blade. And thought why it to be her dead. But she's become a fish again. And merrily sprang into the fleet. He's mounted on his berry brown steed. And Dowie, Dowie rade he home. And heavily, heavily lighted down. When to his lady's bower door he came. Oh, mither, mither, mack my bed. And gentle lady lay me down. Oh, brither, brither, unbend my bow. Twill never be bent by me again. His mither she has made his bed. His gentle lady laid him down. His brither he has unbent his bow. Twas never bent by him again. Tamlin. Lamb lambda tomicron iota pyrota iota sigma alpha lambda omega nu gamma nu epsilon tau gamma nu epsilon iota omicron. Lamb lambda tomicron iota pyrota iota sigma alpha lambda omega nu gamma nu epsilon tau gamma nu epsilon iota omicron. Alpha taro pi epsilon iota alpha delta o cap omega nu cap alpha pyro delta alpha lambda iota delta mu gamma alpha sigma. Alpha taro pi epsilon iota alpha delta o cap omega nu cap alpha pyro delta alpha lambda iota delta mu gamma alpha sigma. Gamma gamma nu epsilon tau omicron delta gamma o nu delta omega o cap alpha delta nu delta o epsilon omicron nu psi o pi tau eta lambda omicron nu. A. Gamma gamma nu epsilon tau omicron delta gamma o nu delta omega o cap alpha delta nu delta o epsilon omicron nu psi o pi tau eta lambda omicron nu. A. Odyssey 4. 456-8. 4. The text here given is from Johnson's Museum, communicated by Burns. Scott's version, 1802, The Young Tamlane, contains certain verses, obtained from a gentleman residing near Langholm, which are said to be very ancient, though the language is somewhat of a modern cast. Of a grossly modern invention, says Child, and as unlike popular verse as anything can be, here is a specimen. The text. They sing, inspired with love and joy, like skylarks in the air, of solid sense, or thought that's grave. 
you'll find no traces there. A copy in the Glenridale Mrs. corresponds very closely with the one here printed, doubtless owing to Burns's friendship with Riddell. Both probably were derived from one common source. MSS. The story. Although the ballad as it stands is purely Scottish, its main feature, the retransformation of Tam Lin, is found in popular mythology even before Homer's time. The story. A Cretan ballad, taken down about 1820-30, relates that a young peasant, falling in love with a nereid, was advised by an old woman to seize his beloved by the hair just before cockcrow and hold her fast, whatever transformation she might undergo. He did so, the nymph became in turn a dog, a snake, a camel, and fire. In spite of all, he retained his hold, and at the next crowing of the cock she regained her beauty, and accompanied him home. After a year, in which she spoke no word, she bore a son. The peasant again applied to the old woman for a cure, and was advised to tell his wife that if she would not speak, he would throw the baby into the oven. On his carrying out the old woman's suggestion the nereid cried out, let go my child, dog, tore her baby from him, and vanished. This tale was current among the Cretan peasantry in 1820. Two thousand years before, Apollodorus had told much the same story of Peleus and Thetis, Bibliotheca, 3. 13. The chief difference is that it was Thetis who placed her son on the fire, to make him immortal, and Peleus who cried out. The tale of the young Tamlin is mentioned in the Complaint of Scotland, 1549. Carterhaw is about a mile from Selkirk, at the confluence of the Ettrick and the Yarrow. The significance of 34. Then throw me into well water, is lost in the present version, by the position of the line after the burning gleed, as it seems the reciter regarded the well water merely as a means of extinguishing the gleed. But the immersion in water has a meaning far deeper and more interesting than that. It is a widespread and ancient belief in folklore that immersion in water, or sometimes milk, is indispensable to the recovery of human shape, after existence in a supernatural shape, or vice versa. The version in the Glenridale Mrs. rightly gives it as the last direction to Janet, to be adopted when the transformations are at an end. Mrs. First dip me in a stand o milk, and then a stand o water. For the beginning of Tamlin, Compare the meeting of Akin and Lady Margaret in Elmondwood in Young Akin. A. All ye toy protesta leon genid eugenios. Otter epida dracon chi pardalisid megas sus. Gignito de hugrin huter chi dendrian hupsa pedalon. Tamlin. Oh, I forbid you, maidenza. Oh, I. That wear gout on your hair. To come or gee by Carter Hall. For young Tamlin is there. There's none that gees by Carter Hall but they leave him a wad. Either their rings, or green mantles, or else their maidenhead. Janet has kilted her green kirtle, a little abun her knee, and she has bowed her yellow hair, a little abun her brie, and she's awa to Carterhall, as fast as she can hie. When she came to Carterhall, Tamlin was at the well, and there she fanned his steed standing, but away was himself. She had not pewed a double rose. A rose but only TWA. Till up then started young Tam Lin. Says lady, thou's pewne may. Why poos thou the rose, Janet? And why breaks thou the wand? Or why comes thou to Carterhall? Without ten my command? Carterhall, it is my ein. My daddy gave it me. 
I'll come and gang by Carterhall. And ask nay leave at thee. Janet has kilted her green kirtle. A little abun her knee. And she has snooted her yellow hair. A little abun her brie. And she is to her father's ha. As fast as she can hie. Four and twenty ladies fair. Were playing at the bier. And out then came the fair Janet. Ants the flower among them. Four and twenty ladies fair. Were playing at the chess. And out then came the fair Janet. As green as ony glass. Out then spack an old gray knight. Lay o'er the castle wa. And says, alas, fair Janet, for thee. But we'll be blamed a dot. Hod your tongue, ye all that face eat knight. Some ill death may ye die. Father my bairn on whom I will. I'll father non anny. Out then spack her father dear. And he spack meek and mild. And ever alas, sweet Janet, he says, I think thou gies white child. If that I gie white child, father, Missilmon bear the blame. There's ne'er a laird about your ha. Shall get the bairn's name. If my love were an earthly knight, as he's an elfin gray, I wadna jai my eye and true love. For nay, lord, that ye hay. The steed that my true love rides on is lighter than the wind. Why siller he is shod before? Why burning gowd behind? Janet has kilted her green kirtle, a little abun her knee, and she has snooted her yellow hair, a little abun her brie, and she's out to Carterhall, as fast as she can hie. When she came to Carterhall, Tamlin was at the well, and there she fanned his steed standing, but away was himsel. She had not peed a double rose, a rose but only T.W.A. Till up then started young Tamlin. Says, lady, thou poos nay may. Why poos thou the rose, Janet? Among the groves essay green. And it to kill the bony babe. That we gat us between? Oh, tell me, tell me, Tamlin, she says. For sake that died on tree. If e'er ye was in holy chapel. Or Christendom did see? Roxbruff he was my grandfather. Took me with him to bide. And ants it fell upon a day. That way did me betide. And ants it fell upon a day. A cold day and a snell. When we were fray the hunting come. That fray my horse I fell. The queen o' fairies she caught me. In yon green hill to dwell. And pleasant is the fairy land. But an eerie tale to tell. I at the end of seven years. We pay a teen to hell. I am essay fair and fuo flesh. I'm feared it be missile. But the night is Halloween, lady. The morn is Halloday. Then win me, win me, and ye will. For will I what ye may. Just at the murk and midnight hour, the fairy folk will ride. And they that wad their true love win. At miles cross they maun bide. But how shall I thee ken, Tam Lin? Or how my true love know? Among essayimoni unco knights. The like I never saw? Oh, first let pass the black, lady. And sign let pass the brown. But quickly run to the milk-white steed. P.U. ye his rider down. For I'll ride on the milk-white steed. And I nearest the town. Because I was an earthly knight. They gie me that renown. My right hand will be gloved, lady. My left hand will be bare. Cocked up shall my bonnet be. And came down shall my hair. 
and they's the takens I gie thee. Nay doubt I will be there. They'll turn me in your arms, lady, into an askinadder. But hold me fast, and fear me not. I am your bairn's father. They'll turn me to a bear essay grim, and then a lion bold. But hold me fast, and fear me not, as ye shall love your child. Again they'll turn me in your arms, to a red-head god of Aaron. But hold me fast, and fear me not. I'll do to you nay harm. And last they'll turn me in your arms, into the burning gleed. Then throw me into well water. Oh, throw me in wise speed. And then I'll be your own true love. I'll turn a naked knight. Then cover me why your green mantle. And cover me out o's sight. Gloomy, gloomy was the night. And eerie was the way. As fair Jenny in her green mantle. To Miles Cross she did gee. About the middle o' the night. She heard the bridles ring. This lady was as glad at that. As any earthly thing. First she let the black pass by. And sighing she let the brown. But quickly she ran to the milk-white steed. And peed the rider down. Essay will she minded way he did say. And young Tarnlin did win. Sign covered him why her green mantle. As blithes a bird in spring. Out then spack the queen o' fairies. Out of a bush o' broom. Them that has gotten young Tamlin. Has gotten a stately groom. Out then spack the queen o' fairies. And an angry woman was she. Shame betide her ill-fard face. And in ill death may she die. For she's tain our the bonniest knight. In a my company. But had I ken Tam Lin, she says, What now this night I see? I wad hae tain out thy TWA grain, and put in TWA e no tree. The clerk's TWA sons o Ausenford, and the wife of Usher's well. These two ballads must be considered together, as the last six verses, eighteen to twenty three, of the clerk's TWA sons, as here given, are a variant of the wife of Usher's well. These texts. The clerk's T.W.A. Sons is taken from Kinloch's Mrs. in the handwriting of James Chambers, as it was sung to his grandmother by an old woman. Texts. M.S.S. The wife of Usher's Well is from Scots minstrelsy of the Scottish border, and however incomplete, may well stand alone. The story has a fairly close parallel in the well-known German ballad, Das Schloss in Österreich, and a ballad found both in Spain and Italy has resemblances to each. But in these two ballads, especially in The Wife of Usher's Well, the interest lies rather in the impressiveness of the verses than in the story. The story. The clerk's T.W.A. sons O. Ausenford. O I will sing to you a saying. O I. But O my heart is sair. The clerk's T.W.A. sons in Ausenford. Has to learn some uncolaire. They hadn't been in fair parish. A twelvemonth in a day. Till the clerk's T.W.A. sons o Ausenford. Why the mayor's T.W.A. daughters lay. O words gained to the mighty mayor. As he sailed on the sea. That the clerk's T.W.A. sons o Ausenford. Why his T.W.A. daughters lay. If they hae lain why my T.W.A. daughters. Meg and Marjorie. The morn, or I taste meat or drink. They shall be hanged high. O words gained to the clerk himself as he sat drinking wine, that his T.W.A. sons in fair parish were bound in prison strong, then up and spack the clerk's lady, 
and she spack powerfully. O tack with ye a purse of gold. Or take with ye three. And if ye canna get William, bring Andrew Hame to me. O lie ye here for owls and dear sons? Or lie ye here for Kai? Or what is it that ye lie for? Essay sir bound as ye lie? We lie not here for Owsen, dear father, nor yet lie here for Kai, but it's for a little old dear bought love. Essay sir bound as we lie. Oh, he's gained to the mighty mayor, and he spake powerfully. Will ye grant me my TWA son's lives, either for gold or fee? Or will ye be essay good a man, as grant them baith to me? I'll no grant ye your TWA son's lives, neither for gold or fee. Nor will I be essay good a man, as jay them back to thee. Before the morn at twelve o'clock, you'll see them hang it high. Up and spack his TWA daughters, and they spack powerfully. Will ye grant us our TWA love's lives, either for gold or fee? Or will ye be essay good a man, as grant them baith to me? I allow no grant ye your TWA love's lives, neither for gold or fee. Nor will I be essay good a man, as grant their lives to thee. Before the morn at twelve o'clock, you'll see them hang it high. Oh, he's ta'en out these proper youths, and hanged them on a tree. And he's bidden the clerk o' Ausenford, gang hame to his lady. His lady sits on yon castle wa, beholding dale and down. And there she saw her ein good lord, come walk into the tune. Yuri welcome, welcome, my ein good lord. Yuri welcome hame to me. But where away are my TWA sons? Ye should hae brought them, why ye? It's I've put in them to a deeper lair, and to a higher shul. Your ein TWA sons ill no be here, till the hallow days o' yule. O sorrow, sorrow, come mack my bed, and do come lay me doon, for I'll neither eat nor drink, nor set a fit on ground. The hallow days of yule are come, the nights are lang and dark, and in and cam her ein TWA sons, why their hats made o' the bark. O eat and drink, my merry manna, the better shall ye fare. For my TWA sons the why are come hame, to me for evermore. She has gain and made their bed, and she's made it soft and fine, and she's happed them why her gay mantle, because they were her ein. O the young cock crew I the merry Lincoln, and the wild fowl chirped for day. The elder to the younger did say, Dear brother, we mon away. Lie still, lie still, a little wee while. Lie still, but if we may. For gin my mother miss us away. She'll be mad or it be day. Oh, it's they've tain up their mother's mantle. And they've hanged it on the pin. Oh, lang may ye hang my mother's mantle. Or ye hap us again. The wife of Usher's well. There lived a wife at Usher's well. There. And a wealthy wife was she. She had three stout and stalwart sons. And sent them o'er the sea. They hadn't have been a week from her. A week but barely ain. When word came to the Carline wife. That her three sons were gain. They hadn't have been a week from her. A week but barely three. When word came to the Carline wife. That her sons she'd never see. I wish the wind may never cease. Nor fishes in the flood. Till my three sons come hame to me. In earthly flesh and blood. It fell about the Martin Mass.
when nights are lang and murk. The Carlin wife's three sons came hame, and their hats were o' the birk. It neither grew in sight nor ditch, nor yet in ony shug. But at the gates, o' paradise, that birk grew fair enough. Blow up the fire, my maidens. Bring water from the well. For my house shall feast this night, since my three sons are well, and she has made to them a bed. She's made it large and wide, and she's tain her mantle her about, sat down at the bedside. Up then crew the red, red cock, and up and crew the gray. The eldest to the youngest said, Tis time we were away. The cock he hadn't a crawd but once, and clapped his wings at a. When the youngest to the eldest said, Brother, we must awa. The cock doth craw, the day doth daw. The chanterin worm doth chide. Gin we be missed out o' our place. A ser pain we maun bide. Fare ye weel, my mother dear. Farewell to barn and byre. And fare ye weel, the bonny lass. That kindles my mother's fire. The great silky of Sulskeri. The text was communicated to the Society of Antiquaries of Scotland by Captain F. W. L. Thomas, who took it down from the dictation of an old woman of Shetland. The text. The story is concerned with the Finnith. The Finns live in the depths of the sea. Their transfiguration into seals seems to be more a kind of deception they practice. For the males are described as most daring boatmen, with powerful sweep of the oar, who chase foreign vessels on the sea. By means of a skin, which they possess, the men and the women among them are able to change themselves into seals. But on shore, after having taken off the wrappage, they are, and behave like, real human beings. Many a Finn woman has got into the power of a Shetlander, and borne children to him. But if the Finn woman succeeded in reobtaining her sea skin, or seal skin, she escaped across the water, Carl Blind in the Contemporary Review, September 1881, pages 399-400. to the same writer, in quoting a verse of this ballad, says, Shul scary means seal's isle. The whole article is of great interest. The story. G. S. L. The author of Shetland Fireside Tales, or The Hermit of Tross Witness, 1877, remarks, The belief that witches and wizards came from the coast of Norway disguised as seals was entertained by many of the Shetland peasantry even so late as the beginning of the present century. He goes on to prove the supernatural character of seals by relating an exploit of his own, in which a gun pointed at a seal refused to go off. Sul Skerry is a lonely islet to the northeast of Cape Wrath, about as far therefrom as from the Shetland Isles. Another version of this ballad, unknown to child, is given in the appendix. Appendix The Great Silky of Sul Skerry An early Nuri sits and sings. In and I she sings, Bia, Lily Ween. Little can I my Bernie's father. Far less the land that he staps in. Then ain't arose at her bedfit. And a grumly guest I'm sure was he. Here am I, thy Bernie's father. Although that I be not come lie. I am a man, you pull the lawn. And I am a silky in the sea. And when I'm far and far fray lawn. My dwelling is in Sulskeri. It was now weal, quoth the maiden fair. It was now weal, indeed, quoth she, that the great silky of Sulskeri sold hay come and ought a bairn to me. Now he has tain a purse of goud, 
and he has patted Yipo her knee, saying, Jiai to me, my little young son, and tack thee up thy nuri's fee. And it's all come to pass on a simmer's day, when the sin shines head on Everestain, that I will tack my little young son, and teach him for to swim the fame. And Thursday saw marry a proud gunner, and a proud gunner I'm sure he'll be. And the very first shot that e'er he scuts, he'll should bathe my young son and me, Clerk Sanders. The text is given in full from Herd's Mrs., where it concludes with a version of Sweet William's Ghost, and the last three stanzas, 42 to 44, are from Scott's later version of the ballad, 1833, from recitation. Child divides the ballad as follows, Clerk Sanders, 1 to 26 of the present version, Sweet William's Ghost, 27 to 41. Scott made one or two conjectural emendations in the arrangement of the stanzas. The text, MSS. The story of this admirable ballad in its various forms is paralleled in one or two of its incidents by a similar collection of Scandinavian ballads. Jameson introduced into his version certain questions and answers, of the prevaricating type found in a baser form in our Goodman, which are professedly of Scandinavian origin. The story. Clerk Sanders. Clark Sanders and May Margaret. Clark. Walked our yon graveled green. And sad and heavy was the love. I what? It fell this TWA between. A bed, a bed, Clark Sanders said. A bed, a bed for you and I. Fine no, fine no, the lady said. Until the day we married be. For in it will come my seven brothers. And of their torches burning bright. They'll say, we hey but a sister. And hear her lying why a night. Yell take the sword fray my scabbard. And lowly, lowly lift the gin. And you may say you're off to save. You never let Clerk Sanders in. You'll take a napkin in your hand. And yell tie up bath your een. And you may say you're off to save. That ye saw na Sandyson late yestreen. You'll take me in your arms, T.W.A. You'll carry me Ben into your bed. And you may say you're off to save. In your bower floor I never tread. She has tain the sewered fray his scabbard. And lowly, lowly lifted the gin. She was to swear, her oath to save. She never let Clerk Sanders in. She has tain a napkin in her hand. And she tied up bath her een. She was to swear, her oath to save. She saw na him sen a late yestreen. She has tain him in her arms T.W.A. And carried him Ben into her bed. She was to swear, her oath to save. He never in her bower floor tread. In and came her seven brothers, and all their torches burning bright. Says they, We hey but a sister, and see there her lying why a night. Out and speaks the first of them. A what they hey been lovers dear. Out and speaks the next of them. They hey been in love this many a year. Out and speaks the third of them. It were great sin this TWA to twain. Out and speaks the fourth of them. It were a sin to kill a sleeping man. Out and speaks the fifth of them. A what they'll near be twain by me. Out and speaks the sixth of them. We all tack our leave and gee our way. Out and speaks the seventh of them. Although there were no a man but me. I see bear the brand into my hand. Shall quickly gar Clark Sanders die. Out he has tain a bright long brand. 
and he has striped it throw the straw, and throw and throw Clark Sanders' body. A what he has guard cold iron gee. Sanders he started, and Margaret she laughed, until his arms where she lay. And well and well some was the night. A what it was between these T.W.A. And they lay still, and sleep sound, until the day began to daw. And kindly till him she did say, It is time, true love, you were our dot. They lay still, and sleep sound, until the sun began to shine. She looped between her and the wa, and dull and heavy was his e'en. She thought it had been a loathsome sweat, a what it had fallen this T.W.A. between. But it was the blood of his fair body, a what his life days were now lang. O Sanders, I'll do for your sake, what other lattice would not thull. When seven years is come and gone, there's near a shoe go on my soul. O Sanders, I'll do for your sake. What other ladies would think mare? When seven years is come and gone, there's near a comb go in my hair. O Sanders, I'll do for your sake. What other ladies would think lack? When seven years is come and gone, I'll wear not but dowie black. The bells geed clinking throw the town to carry the dead core to the clay. And sighing says her may Margaret, A would I bide a dalfow day, and in come her father dear. Stout stepping on the floor. Hold your tongue, my daughter dear. Let a your morning abbey. Isla carry the dead core to the clay. And Isla come back and comfort thee. Comfort well your seven sons. For comforted will I never be. For it was either lord nor loun. That was in bower last night why me. One bells were rung, and mass was sung. Oh, what a man to bed were gone. Clark Sanders came to Margaret's window. With Moni a sad sigh and groan. Are ye sleeping, Margaret? he says. Or are you waking present lie? Give me my faith and troth again. A what, true love, I jide to thee. Your faith and troth ye as never get. Nor our true love shall never twain. Till ye come with me in my bower. And kiss me both cheek and chin. My mouth it is full cold, Margaret. It has the smell now of the ground. And if I kiss thy comely mouth, thy life days will not be long. Cocks are crowing a merry midlarf. I what the wild fuel bode a day. Gie me my faith and trout again, and let me fare me on my way. Thy faith and trout thou shall not get, and our true love shall never twin. Till ye tell me what comes of women, a what that dies in strong travelling. Their beds are made in the heavens high. Down at the foot of our good lord's knee. Well said about why gilly flowers. A what sweet company for to see. Oh, cocks are crowing a merry midlarf. A what the wild fool a boded day. The psalms of heaven will be sung. And ere now I'll be missed away. Up she has ta'en a bright long wand. And she has straked her trout thereon. She has given it him out at the shot window. Why many a sad sigh and heavy groan. I thank you, Margaret. I thank you, Margaret. And I thank you heartily. Gin ever the dead come for the quick. Be sure, Margaret, I'll come again for thee. It's hose and shoon and gown Elaine. She claimed the wall and followed him. Until she came to a green forest. On this she lost the sight of him. Is there any room at your head, Sanders? Is there any room at your feet? 
or any room at your TWA sides. Where fain, fain would I sleep. There is na room at my head, Margaret. There is na room at my feet. There is room at my TWA sides. For lattice for to sleep. Cold meal is my covering o'er. But in my winding sheet. My bed it is full low, I say. Down among the hungry worms I sleep. Cold meal is my covering o'er. But in my winding sheet. The dew it falls na sooner down. Than I it is full wheat. But play to wand o' bonny birk. And lay it on my breast. And shed a tear upon my grave. And wish my soul good rest. And fair Margaret, and rare Margaret. And Margaret o' verity. Gin e'er ye love another man. Ne'er love him as ye did me. Then up and crew the milk-white cock. And up and crew the grey. The lover vanished in the air. And she geed weeping away. Young hunting. The text is given from two copies in Herd's Mises as collated by child, with the exception of two lines, nine, which are taken from a third and shorter copy in Herd's Mises, printed by him in the Scottish Songs. Scott's ballad, Earl Richard, is described by him as made up from the above-mentioned copies of Herd, with some trivial alterations adopted from tradition, a totally inadequate account of wholesale alterations. Scott also gives a similar ballad in Lord William. The text. Mrs. Mrs. The story. Young Hunting, a king's son, tells a former mistress that he has a new sweetheart whom he loves thrice as well. The lady conceals her anger, plies him with wine, and slays him in his drunken sleep. Her deed unluckily is overseen by a bonny bird, whom she attempts to coax into captivity, but fails. She dresses Young Hunting for riding, and throws him into the Clyde. The king his father asks for him. She swears by corn, see first series, Glastyrian, page one, that she has not seen him since yesterday at noon. The king's divers search for him in vain, until the bonny bird reminds them of the method of finding a drowned corpse by the means of candles. The lady still denies her guilt, and accuses her maid Catherine, but the bonfire refuses to consume the innocent Catherine. When the real culprit is put in, she burns like hokey grin. The story. The discovery of a drowned body by candles is a recognized piece of folklore. Usually the candle is stuck in a loaf of bread or on a cork, and set afloat in the river. Sometimes a hole is cut in a loaf of bread and mercury poured in to weight it. Even a chip of wood is used. The superstition still survives. The most rational explanation offered is that as eddies and rapid streams form deep pools, in which a body might easily be caught, so a floating substance indicates the place by being caught in the center of the eddy. The failure of the fire to burn an innocent maid is also, of course, a well-known incident. Young hunting. O oh lady, rock never your young son young. One hour longer for me. For I have a sweetheart in garlic's wells. I love thrice better than thee. The very soles of my love's feet is whiter than thy face. But nevertheless nah, young hunting. Yell stay why me all night. She has burled in him young hunting. The good ale and the beer. Till he was as foe drunken. As any wild wood steer. She has burled in him young hunting. The good ale and the wine. Till he was as foe drunken. As any wild wood swine. Up she has ta'en him young hunting. And she has had him to her bed. 
and she has minded her on a little penknife that hangs low down by her gear, and she has gin him young hunting, a deep wound and a sare, out and spake the bonny bird, that flew ab in her head. Lady, keep well thy green clothing, fra that good lord's blood. Oh, better I'll keep my green clothing, fra that good lord's blood. Nor thou can keep thy flattering tongue, that flatters in thy head. Light down, light down, my bonny bird. Light down upon my hand. And ye sail hay a cage o' the gowd, where ye hay but the wand. O siller, O siller shall be thy hire, and gowd shall be thy fee. And every month into the year, thy cage shall change be. I win a light down, I shone a light down. I win a light on thy hand. For soon, soon wad ye do to me, as ye done to young hunting. She has booted and speared him young hunting, as he had been gone to ride. A hunting horn about his neck, and the sharp soured by his side. And she has had him to yon wan water, for a man calls a Clyde. The deepest pot in Tilida, she has putin young hunting in, a green trough upon his breast, to hold that good lord down. It fell once upon a day, the king was going to ride, and he sent for him young hunting, to ride on his right side. She has turned her right and roundabout. She swear now by the corn. I saw na thy son, young hunting, sin yesterday at morn. She has turned her right and roundabout. She swear now by the moon. I saw na thy son, young hunting, sin yesterday at noon. It fears me, sir, in Clyde water, that he is drowned therein. O they house sent for the king's duckers, to duck for young hunting. They ducked in at the Tay water bank. They ducked out at the tither. We'll duck no more for young hunting, although he were our brother. Out and spake the bonny bird. That flew ab in their heads. Oh, he's not drowned in Clyde water. He is slain and put therein. The lady that lives in yon castle slew him and put him in. Leave af your ducking on the day. And duck upon the night. Wherever that sockeless nightless slain, the candles will shine bright. They left off their ducking o the day. And ducked upon the night. And where that sockeless night lay slain, the candles shone full bright. The deepest pot in Tilida. They got young hunting in. A green turf upon his breast. To hold that good lord down. O they hay sent aft men to the wood. To hew down bay thorn and fern. That they might get a great bone fire. To burn that lady in. Put now the white on me, she says. It was her May Catherine. Want they had tain her May Catherine. In the bone fire set her in. It wad not take upon her cheeks, nor take upon her chin, nor yet upon her yellow hair, to heal the deadly sin. Out they hay tain her may Catherine, and they hay put that lady in. Oh, it took upon her cheek, her cheek, and it took upon her chin, and it took on her fair body. She burnt like hokey grin. The three ravens and the T.W.A. Corbus. The texts of these two variations on the same theme are taken from T. Ravenscroft's Melismata, 1611, and Scott's Minstrelsy, 1803, respectively. There are several other versions of the Scots ballad, while Motherwell prints the three ravens, changing only the burden. The texts, Chapel, 
popular music of the olden time, says of the English version that he has been favored with a variety of copies of it, written down from memory, and all differing in some respects, both as to words and tune, but with sufficient resemblance to prove a similar origin. Consciously or not, the ballad, as set by him to its traditional tune, is to be sung without the threefold repetition shown by Ravenscroft, thus compressing two verses of the ballad into each repetition of the tune, and having the length of the song. The Three Ravens. There were three rawns sat on a tree. There. Down a down, hey down, hey down. There were three rawns sat on a tree. With a down. There were three rawns sat on a tree. They were as black as they might be. With a down dairy, 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 down, down. The one of them said to his mate, Where shall we our breakfast take? Down in yonder green field. There lies a knight slaying vendor his shield. His hounds they lie down at his feet. So well they can their master keep. His halkas they fly so eagerly. There's no fall dare him come an eye. Down there comes a fallow doe. As great with young as she might go. She lift VP his blowdy head. And kissed his wounds that were so red. She got him VP upon her back. And carried him to earth and lake. She buried him before the prime. She was dead herself ere Yun Song time. God send Yuri gentlemen. Such haukas, such hounds, and such a leman. The TWA Corbus. As I was walking all alane. As. I heard TWA Corbus making a main. The tain unto the t'other say. Where saw we gang and dine today? In behind yon old failed dyke. I wot there lies a new slain knight. And nay body kens that he lies there. But his hawk, his hound, and lady fair. His hound is to the hunting game. His hawk to fetch the wild fowl hame. His lady's tain another mate. So we may mack our dinner sweet. For, you'll sit on his white house a bane. And I'll pike out his bonny blueeen. Why ye lock o his gowd and hair? We'll theek our nest when it grows bare. Mony a one for him makes mane. But none a saw ken where he is gain. O'er his white banes, when they are bare. The wind saw blaw forever mare. Young Benji. The text is given from Scott's Minstrelsy, 1803. He remarks, the ballad is given from tradition. Number 29 in the Abbotsford MS. Scotch Ballads, Materials for Border Minstrelsy, is Young Benji, or Bunji as they're written, in thirteen stanzas, headed from Jean Scott, and written in William Laidaw's hand. All of this except the first stanza is transferred, with or without changes, to Scott's ballad, which is nearly twice as long. The text. Mess. The story of this ballad, simple in itself, introduces to us the elaborate question of the like wake, or the practice of watching through the night by the side of a corpse. More about this will be found under the like wake dirge, and in the appendix at the end of this volume. Here it will suffice to quote Sir Walter Scott's introduction. The story. In this ballad the reader will find traces of a singular superstition, not yet altogether discredited in the wilder parts of Scotland. The like wake, or watching a dead body, in itself a melancholy office, is rendered, in the idea of the assistance, more dismally awful, by the mysterious horrors of superstition. In the interval betwixt death and interment, the disembodied spirit is supposed to hover around its mortal habitation, and if provoked by certain rites, 
retains the power of communicating, through its organs, the cause of its dissolution. Such inquiries, however, are always dangerous, and never to be resorted to unless the deceased is suspected to have suffered foul play, as it is called. One of the most potent ceremonies in the charm, for causing the dead body to speak, is setting the door ajar, or half open. On this account, the peasants of Scotland sedulously avoid leaving the door ajar while a corpse lies in the house. The door must either be left wide open or quite shut, but the first is always preferred, on account of the exercise of hospitality usual on such occasions. The attendants must be likewise careful never to leave the corpse for a moment alone, or, if it is left alone, to avoid, with a degree of superstitious horror, the first sight of it. Edition 1803, Volume 3. Pages 251-2. Young Benji. Of the maids, O fair Scotland. Of. The fairest was Marjorie. And young Benji was her a true love. And a dear true love was he. And wow. But they were lovers dear. And loved fu constant I. But I the mare when they fell out. The Sarah was their plea. And they hay quarreled on a day. Till Marjorie's heart grew way. And she said she'd choose another love. And let young Benji gee. And he was stout and proud-hearted. And thought out bitter lie. And he's gained by the wan moonlight. To meet his Marjorie. Oh, open, open, my true love. Oh, open, and let me in. I dare not open, young Benji. My three brothers are within. Ye lied, ye lied, my bonny bird. Essay ye louts, I hear ye lie. As I came by the loden banks, they bade duty unto me. But fare ye weel, my a fa's love. That I hay loved essay lang. It sets ye choose another love. And let young Benji gang. Then Marjorie turned her round about. The tear blinding her ye. I Dorina, Dorina let thee in. But I'll come down to thee. Then soft she smiled, and said to him, Oh, what ill hay I done? He took her in his armist TWA, and threw her o'er the lynn. The stream was strang, the maid was stout, and laid late to be dang. But ere she won the loden banks, her fair color was wan. Then up bespack her eldest brother. Oh, see now you what I see? And out then spack her second brother. It's our sister Marjorie. Out then spack her eldest brother. Oh, how shall we her ken? And out then spack her youngest brother. There's a honey mark on her chin. Then they've tamed up the comely corpse. And laid it on the ground. Oh, wa has killed our a sister. And how can he be found? The night it is her low like wake. The morn her burial day. And we mon watch at murk midnight. And hear what she will say. Why doors ajar and candlelight, and torches burning clear. The strike at corpse till still midnight. They waked, but nathing here. About the middle o' the night, the cocks began to crawl, and at the dead hour o' the night, the corpse began to thrall. Oh, wa has done the rang, sister, or dared the deadly sin? Wa was essay stout, and feared nay doubt. As thraw ye o'er the lynn? Young Benji was the first a man. I laid my love upon. He was essay stout and proud-hearted. He threw me o'er the lynn. Saw we young Benji head, sister. Saw we young Benji hang. 
or saw we pike out his TWA grain, and punish him ere he gang? Ye mount a Benji head, brothers, ye mount a Benji hang. But ye mount pike out his TWA grain, and punish him ere he gang, tie a green gravet round his neck, and lead him out and in, and the best a servant about your house, to wait young Benji on. And I, at every seven years' end, you'll tack him to the lin, for that's the penance he mon dry, to scug his deadly sin, the like wake dirge. The text is given verbatim et literatum from John Aubrey's M.S., of his Remains of Gentilism and Judaism, 1686 7, in the Lansdowne Mises, number 231, folio 114, recto and verso. This text has often been printed before, see appendix, but always with errors. The only change made here is the placing of Aubrey's marginal notes among the footnotes. The spelling is Aubrey's spelling. The present version was obtained by Aubrey in 1686 from an informant, whose father had heard it sung sixty years previously. The text, M.S. M.S.S. Appendix. Sir Walter Scott's text, better known than Aubrey's, presents very few variations, the chief being sleet for fleet in one. See below. This would seem to point to the fact that Scott obtained his version from a manuscript, and confused the antique S, equals S, with F, a collation, incomplete and inexact, of the two texts as given by T, F. Henderson in his edition of The Minstrelsy, 1902, Volume 3, pages 170-2. The Story this dirge, of course, is not a ballad in the true sense of the word, but it is concerned with myths so widespread and ancient that as much could be written about the dirge as almost any one of the ballads proper. I have added an appendix at the end of this volume, to which those interested in the subject may refer. For the present, the following account may suffice. The Story Ritson found an illustration of this dirge in a manuscript letter, written by one signing himself H. T.R. to Sir Thomas Chiloner, in the Cotton Mrs. Julius, F. 6. Foles. 453-462. The date approximately is the end of the 16th century. Sir Thomas Chiloner the Elder, 1521-1565. The Younger, 1561-1615. The letter is concerned with antiquities in Durham and Yorkshire, especially near Gisborough, an estate of the Chiloner family. The sentence referring to the Lykewake dirge was printed by Scott, to whom it was communicated by Ritson's executor after his death. It is here given as retranscribed from the manuscript, F. 461 verso. MSS. When any dieth, certain women singe Assange to the dead body, reciting the irony that the party deceased must go, and they are of belief, such is their fondness, that once in their lose whitey is good to do a pair of new shoes to a poor man forasmuch as after this life they are to pass barefoot through a great lawn full of thorns and furs and, except by the merit of the almas aforesaid they have redeemed their forfeit. For at the edge of the lawn an old man shall meet them, with the same shoes that were jewin by the party when he was luinga, and after he hath shod them he dismisseth them to go through thick and thin without scratch or skull. The myth of Helshun, Norse, Helsko, appears under various guises in many folklores. See Appendix. Appendix. Sir Walter Scott, in printing Sleet in one, said the word Sleet, in the chorus, 
one seems to be corrupted from salt or salt, a quantity of which, in compliance with a popular superstition, is frequently placed on the breast of a corpse. It is true that a superstition to this effect does exist, but fleet is doubtless the right reading. Aubrey glosses it as water, but Murray has shown, New English Dictionary, S.V., by three quotations from wills dated between 1533 and 1570, that fire and flet is an expression meaning simply fire and house room. Flet, in short, is our modern flat in an unspecialized and uncorrupted form. 1. The Lykewake Dirge. Lansdowne M.S. This e night, this e night. This. Eve are, why night and all. Fire and fleet and candlelight. And Christ receive thy soul. When thou from hence doest pass away. Every night and all. To winnie more thou comest at last. And Christ receive thy soul. If ever thou gave either hosen or shun. Every night and all. Sit thee down and put them on. And Christ receive thy soul. But if hosen nor shun thou never gave neen. Every night and see. The winds shall prick thee to the bare bean. And Christ receive thy soul. From winnie more that thou mayst pass. Every night and see. To brig o dread thou comest at last. And Christ and see. Folios 114 verso. No bradder than a thread. From brig of dread that thou mayst pass. Every night and see. To purgatory fire thou comest at last. And Christ and see. If ever thou gave either milk or drink. Every night and see. The fire shall never make thee shrink. And Christ and see. But if milk nor drink thou never gave neen. Every night and see. The fire shall burn thee to the bare bane. And Christ receive thy soul. The Bonnie Earl of Murray. The text is given from Alan Ramsey's Tea Table Miscellany, where it first appeared in the 10th edition, 1740, in Volume 4, pages 356-7. Child had not seen this, and gave his text from the 11th edition of 1750. There is, however, scarcely any difference. The text. The story of the murder of the Earl of Murray by the Earl of Huntley in February 1592 is found in several histories and other accounts. The History of the Church of Scotland, 1655, by John Spottiswood, Archbishop of Glasgow and of S. T. Andrews. History of the Western Highlands and Isles of Scotland, 1836, by Donald Gregory. The History and Life of King James, the Sixth, Edition T. Thompson, Bannatine Club, 1825 Extracts from the Diary of R. Obert B. Earl, Burgess of Edinburgh, 1820 and Sir Walter Scott's Tales of a Grandfather. The following condensed account may suffice. James Stuart, son of Sir James Stuart of Dune, Down, 6. Earl of Murray by his marriage with the heiress of the Regent Murray, was a comely personage, of a great stature, and strong of body like a Kemp, whence he was generally known as the Bonnie Earl of Murray. In the last months of 1591, a rumor reached the king's ears that the Earl of Murray had assisted in, or at least countenanced, the attack recently made on Holyrood House by Stuart, Earl of Bothwell, and Henley was commissioned to arrest Murray and bring him to trial. Murray, apprehended at Denibersal, or Dunibersal, his mother the Lady Dune's house, refused to surrender to his feudal enemy the Earl of Henley, and the house was fired. Murray, after remaining behind the rest of his party, rushed out and broke through the enemy, 
but was subsequently discovered by the plumes on his headpiece, which had caught fire and mortally wounded. Tradition says that Huntley was compelled by his followers to incriminate himself in the deed, and struck the dying Murray in the face, whereat the Bonnie Earl said, You have spoiled a better face than your own. The story. The Bonnie Earl of Murray. Ye Highlands and ye Lawlands. Ye. Oh. Where have you been? They have slain the Earl of Murray. And they laid him on the green. They have, and see. Now way be to thee, Henley. And wherefore did you essay? I bade you bring him, why you? But forbade you him to slay. I bade, and see. He was a braw gallant. And he rid at the ring. And the bonny Earl of Murray. Oh. He might have been a king. And the, and see. He was a braw gallant. And he played at the BA. And the bonny Earl of Murray. Was the flower among them. And the, and see. He was a braw gallant. And he played at the glove. And the bonny Earl of Murray. Oh. He was the queen's love. And the, and see. Oh. Langwell his lady. Look o'er the castle down. Ere she see the Earl of Murray. Come sounding through the town. Ere she, and see. Bonnie George Campbell. The text is from Motherwell's Minstrelsy, pages 44 to 5. The text. The story. Motherwell says it is probably a lament for one of the adherents of the House of Argyle, who fell in the Battle of Glenlivat, stricken on Thursday, the third day of October. 1,594 years. Another suggestion is that it refers to a Campbell of Calder killed in a feud with Campbell of Ardkingless, the murder being the result of the same conspiracy which brought the Bonnie Earl of Murray to his death. Another version of the ballad, however, gives the name as James, and it is useless and unnecessary to particularize. The story. Bonnie George Campbell. High upon Helens. High and low upon Tay, Bonnie George Campbell, rayed out on a day, saddled and bridled, and gallant rayed he. Hame came his good horse, but never cam he. Out cam his old mither, greeting Fusser, and out cam his bonnie bride, riven her hair, saddled and bridled, and booted rayed he. Tum Hame cam the saddle, but never cam he. My meadow lies green, and my corn is unshorn, my barn is too big, and my baby's unborn, saddled and bridled, and booted raid he, tum hame cam the saddle, but never cam he, the lament of the border widow. The text is given from Scott's Minstrelsy, 1803, volume 3, pages 83 to 4. His introduction states that it was obtained from recitation in the forest of Edric and that it relates to the execution of a border freebooter, named Cockburn, by James V., in 1529. The text. V. The story referred to above may have once existed in the ballad, but the lyrical dirge as it now stands is obviously corrupted with a broadside ballad, The Lady Turned Serving Man, given with improvements by Percy, Relics, 1765, Volume 3. Page 87, etc. Compare the first three stanzas of the lament with stanzas three, four, and five of the broadside. The story. And then my love built me a bower. Bedecked with many a fragrant flower. A braver bower you never did see. Then my true love did build for me.
but there came thieves late in the night. They robbed my bower and slew my knight, and after that my knight was slain. I could no longer there remain. My servants all from me did fly, in the midst of my extremity, and left me by myself alone, with a heart more cold than any stone. It is of course impossible to compare the bold style of the broadside with the beautiful Scottish dirge, and the difficulty of clothing a bower with lilies, which offends Professor Child, may be disregarded. The lament of the border widow. My love he built me a bonny bower. My. And cladded a wye lily flower. A brower bower ye ne'er did see. Then my true love he built for me. There came a man by middle day. He spied his sport and went away. And brought the king that very night. Who brake my bower and slew my knight. He slew my knight to me as a dear. He slew my knight and poined his gear. My servants all for life did flee. And left me in extremity. I sewed his sheet making my mane. I watched the corpse myself elaine. I watched his body night and day. No living creature came that way. I took his body on my back. And whiles I geed, and whiles I sate. I digged a grave, and laid him in. And happed him with the sod essay green. But think not ye my heart was sere. When I laid the mowl on his yellow hair? Oh, think not ye my heart was way. When I turned about away to gee? Nay, living man I'll love again. Since that my lovely knight is slain. Why a lock of his yellow hair? I'll chain my heart forevermore. Bonnie be hoem and the lowlands of Holland. The texts are taken respectively from Alexander Fraser Teitler's Brown MS, and from Herd's Mises, Volume 1, Folios 49, where it is stated that a verse is wanting. The texts, MS, MSS. The story of Bonnie be hoem is of the slightest. The gift of the ring and chain occurs in many ballads and folk tales. For the ring, see hind horn, 4 to 6, first series, page 187. The story, for the lady's vow to put no comb in her hair, occurring in both ballads, compare Clerk Sanders, 21. The Lowlands of Holland is merely a lyrical version of the same theme. Bonnie Behoem. By Arthur's Dale as late I went. By. I heard a heavy moan. I heard a lady lamenting, sir. And I she cried, O Hon. O Han, alas! What shall I do? Tormented night and day. I never loved a love but ain. And now he's gone away. But I will do for my true love. What ladies would think, sir. For seven years shall come and go. Ere a cane gang in my hair. There shall neither a shoe gang on my foot. Nor a cane gang in my hair. Nor ere a coal nor candlelight. Shine in my bower nay mare. She thought her love had been on the sea. Fast sailing to be hoem but he was in a quiet chammer, hearing his lady's moan. Be hushed, be hushed, my lady dear. I pray thee more not so, for I am deep sworn on a book, to be hoem for to go. She has giant him a chain of the beaten gowd, and a ring with a ruby stone. As lang as this chain your body binds, your blood can never be drawn. But gin this ring shall fade or fail, or the stone shall change its hue. Be sure your love is dead and gone, or she has proved untrue. He had no been at Bonnie Behoem, 
a twelve mouth and a day. Till, looking on his gay gowd ring, the stone grew dark and gray. Oh, ye take my riches to be hoem, and deal them present lie. To the young that canna, the old that mauna, and the blind that does not see. Now death has come into his bower, and split his heart in twain. So their TWA souls flew up to heaven, and there shall ever remain the lowlands of Holland. My love has built a bony ship, and set her on the sea, with seven score good mariners to bear her company. There's three score is sunk, and three score dead at sea. And the lowlands of Holland has twinned my love and me. My love he built another ship, and set her on the main, and none but twenty mariners for to bring her hame. But the weary wind began to rise, and the sea began to rout. My love then and his bonny ship turned withershins about. There shall neither coif come on my head nor comb come in my hair. There shall neither coal nor candlelight shine in my bower mare. Nor will I love another one until the day I die. For I never loved a love but one, and he's drowned in the sea. Oh, had your tongue, my daughter dear, be still and be content. There are mere lads in Galloway, ye need nay say lament. Oh, there is none in Gallo, there's none at afore me. For I never loved a love but one, and he's drowned in the sea. Fair Helen of Kirkinell. The text is taken from Scott's Minstrelsy of the Scottish Border, 1802, Volume 1, pages 72 to 79, omitting the tedious part 1. Another of many versions may be found in Sir John Sinclair's Statistical Account of Scotland, Volume 13, pages 275 to 6, about the year 1794, 14 stanzas, corresponding to most of Scott's two parts. The text. I. The story of the ballad is given in the two above-mentioned books from tradition as follows. Fair Helen, of the clan of Irving or Bell, favored Adam Fleming, Fleming, with her love, another suitor, whose name is said to have been Bell, was the choice of the lady's family and friends. The latter lover becoming jealous, concealed himself in the bushes of the banks of the Kirtle, which flows by the kirkyard of Kirkinell, where the true lovers were accustomed to walk being discovered lurking there by Helen, he leveled his carbine at Adam Fleming. Helen, however, threw herself into her lover's arms, and received the bullet intended for him, whereupon he slew his rival. He went abroad to Spain and fought against the infidels, but being still inconsolable, returned to Kirkinell, perished on Helen's grave, and was buried beside her. The tombstone, bearing a sword and a cross, with Hick Jacet Adamus Fleming, is still, says Scott, shown in the churchyard of Kirkinell. The story. The Flemings were a family belonging to Kirkpatrick Fleming, a parish in Dumfries which includes Kirkinell. Wordsworth's version of the story includes the famous rhyme. Proud Gordon cannot bear the thoughts that through his brain are traveling, and starting up to Bruce's heart, he launched a deadly javelin. Fair Helen of Kirkinell, I wish I were where Helen lies. I wish. Night and day on me she cries. Oh, that I were where Helen lies. On fair Kirkinell Lee, curse be the heart that thought the thought, and curse the hand that fired the shot. When in my arms bird Helen dropped, and died to succor me, O oh, think now ye my heart was sere, when my love dropped down and spack nay mare. There did she swoon why meekle care, on fair Kirkinell Lee, as I went down the waterside, 
None but my foe to be my guide. None but my foe to be my guide. On fair Kirkinell Lee, I lighted down, my sword did draw. I hacked him in pieces, Esame. I hacked him in pieces, Esame. For her sake that died for me. O Helen fair, beyond compare. I'll make a garland of thy hair. Shall bind my heart forevermore. Until the day I die. O that I were where Helen lies. Night and day on me she cries. Out of my bed she bids me rise. Says haste and come to me. O Helen fair. O Helen chaste. If I were with thee I were blessed. Where thou lies low and takes thy rest. On fair Kirkinell Lee. I wish my grave were growing green. A winding sheet drawn o'er my e'en, and I in Helen's arms lying. On fair Kirkinell Lee, I wish I were where Helen lies. Night and day on me she cries, and I am weary of the skies. For her sake that died for me. Sir Hugh or the Jew's daughter. The text is given from Jameson's popular ballads, as taken down by him from Mrs. Brown's recitation. The text. The story of the ballad is told at length in at least two ancient monastic records, in the annals of the Monastery of Waverley, the first Cistercian house in England, near Farnham, Surrey, edited by Lewid, Volume 2, page 346, etc., from M.S., Cotton Vesp, A., 16, folios 150, etc., more fully in the annals of the Monastery at Burton-on-Trent, Staffordshire, edited by Lewid, Volume 1, pages 340, etc., from M.S., Cotton Vesp, E. 3, Folios 53, etc. Both of these give the date as 1255, the latter adding July 31st. Matthew Paris also tells the tale as a contemporary event. The details may be condensed as follows. The story. M.S. M.S. All the principal Jews in England being collected at the end of July 1255 at Lincoln, Hugh, a schoolboy, while playing with his companions, Joseph A.C. Choris, was by them kidnapped, tortured, and finally crucified. His body was then thrown into a stream, but the water, tantam sway creatoris injurium non ferens, threw the corpse back on to the land. The Jews then buried it, but it was found next morning above ground. Finally it was thrown into a well, which at once was lit up with so brilliant a light and so sweet an odor, that word went forth of a miracle. Christians came to see, discovered the body floating on the surface, and drew it up. Finding the hands and feet to be pierced, the head ringed with bleeding scratches, and the body otherwise wounded, it was at once clear to all tanti celeris octors detestandos fuis judeos, eighteen of whom were subsequently hanged. Other details may be gleaned from various accounts. The name of the Jew into whose house the boy was taken is given as Kapan or Japan. He was eight or nine years old. Matthew Paris adds the circumstance of Hugh's mother, Beatrice by name, seeking and finding him. The original story has obviously become contaminated with others, such as Chaucer's Prioress's tale, in the course of six hundred and fifty years. But the central theme, the murder of a child by the Jews, is itself of great antiquity, and similar charges are on record in Europe even in the nineteenth century. Further material for the study of this ballad may be found in Francis A. Michel's Hugh de Lincoln, 1839, and J. O. Halliwell, Phillips, S. Ballads and Poems Respecting Hugh of Lincoln, 1849. Percy and the Relics, 
1765, Volume 1. Page 32 says, If we consider, on the one hand, the ignorance and superstition of the times when such stories took their rise, the virulent prejudices of the monks who record them, and the eagerness with which they would be catched up by the barbarous populace as a pretense for plunder. On the other hand, the great danger incurred by the perpetrators, and the inadequate motives they could have to excite them to a crime of so much horror, we may reasonably conclude the whole charge to be groundless and malicious. The tune as sung by the late Mrs. Sheridan may be found in John Stafford Smith's Musica Antiqua, 1812, Volume 1, page 65, and Motherwell's Minstrelsy, tune number 7, Sir Hugh or the Jew's Daughter, 4 and 20 Bonnie Boys, 4, were playing at the B.A., and by it came him sweet Sir Hugh, and he played o'er them a, he kicked the B.A. with his right foot, and catched it why his knee, and Throuchan through the Jew's window. He guard the bonny bay flea. He's done him to the Jew's castel, and walked it round about. And there he saw the Jew's daughter, at the window looking out. Throw down the bay, ye Jew's daughter. Throw down the bay to me. Never a bit, says the Jew's daughter. Till up to me come ye. How will I come up? How can I come up? How can I come to thee? For as ye did to my old father, the same ye'll do to me. She's gained till her father's garden, and peed an apple red and green. Twas it to while him sweet Sir Hugh, and to entice him in. She's led him in through a dark door, and essay has she through nine. She's laid him on a dressing table, and stick at him like a swine. And first came out the thick, thick blood, and sign came out the thin. And sign came out the bonny heart's blood. There was nae mare within. She's rode him in a cake lead. Bade him lie still and sleep. She's thrown him in Our Lady's drawwell. Was fifty fathom deep. When bells were rung, and mass was sung. And of the bairns came hame. When every lady gat hame her son. The lady Maisry gat nane. She's tained her mantle her about. Her coffer by the hand and she's gain out to seek her son, and wandered o'er the land. She's done her to the Jew's castel, where we're fast asleep. Jean ye be there, my sweet Sir Hugh. I pray you to me speak. She's done her to the Jew's garden. Thought he had been gathering fruit. Jean ye be there, my sweet Sir Hugh. I pray you to me speak. She neared Our Lady's deep drawwell. Was fifty fathom deep. Where ye be, my sweet Sir Hugh? I pray you to me speak. Gehame, gehame, my mythid dear. Prepare my winding sheet. And at the back, O Mary Lincoln, the morn I will you meet. Now Lady Maisry is gainhame. Made him a winding sheet. And at the back, O Mary Lincoln, the dead corpse did her meet. And at the bells, O Mary Lincoln, without men's hands were rung. And at the books, O Mary Lincoln, were read without man's tongue. And ne'er was such a burial, since Adam's days begun. The Damon Lover. The text is from Kinloch's Mises, from the recitation of T. Kinnear Stonehaven. Child remarks of it that probably by the fortunate accident of being a fragment it leaves us to put our own construction upon the weird seaman. And though it retains the homely ship carpenter, is on the whole the most satisfactory of all the versions. The text. Mm, Mrs.
The story is told more elaborately in a broadside, and resembles Enoch Arden in a certain degree. James Harris, a seaman, plighted to Jane Reynolds, was captured by a press gang, taken overseas, and after three years, reported dead and buried in a foreign land. After a respectable interval, a ship carpenter came to Jane Reynolds, and eventually wedded her, and the loving couple had three pretty children. One night, however, the ship carpenter being on a three days' journey, a spirit came to the window, and said that his name was James Harris, and that he had come to take her away as his wife. She explains that she is married, and would not have her husband know of this visit for five hundred pounds. James Harris, however, said he had seven ships upon the sea, and when she heard these fair tales she succumbed, went away with him, and was never seen no more. The ship carpenter on his return hanged himself. The story. Scott's ballad in the minstrelsy spoils its own effect by converting the spirit into the devil. An American version of 1858 tells the tale of a house carpenter and his wife, and alters the banks of Italy to the banks of old Tennessee. The Damon Lover Oh, where hae ye been, my dearest dear? These seven lang years and more? Oh, I am come to seek my former vows, that ye promised me before. Awa why your former vows, she says, or else you will breed strife. Awa why your former vows, she says, for I am become a wife. I am married to a ship carpenter. A ship carpenter he's bound. I wadna he ken my mind this nicked. For twice five hundred pound. She has put her foot on good shipboard. And on shipboard she's gain. And the veil that hung o'er her face. Was a why gowd began. She had not sailed a league, a league. A league but barely twa. Till she did mind on the husband she left. And her wee young son Alsua. Oh, hod your tongue, my dearest dear. Let all your follies a be. I'll show where the white lilies grow. On the banks of Italy. She had not sailed a league, a league. A league but barely three. Till grim, grim grew his countenance. And gully grew the sea. Oh, hod your tongue, my dearest dear. Let all your follies a be. I'll show where the white lilies grow. In the bottom of the sea. He's tain her by the milk-white hand and he's thrown her in the main, and full five and twenty hundred ships, perished all on the coast of Spain, the Broomfield Hill. The text is taken from Scott's Minstrelsy, 1803. It would be of great interest if we could be sure that the reference to Hive Hill in eight was from genuine Scott's tradition. In Wager's comedy The Longer Thou Live The More Fool Thou Art, about 1568, Moros sings a burden. The text Brome, Brome on hill. The gentle Brome on hill, hill. Brome, Brome on hive hill. The gentle Brome on hive hill. The Brome stands on hive hill A. Before the state Brome, Brome on hill is mentioned in the Complaint of Scotland, 1549, and a similar song was among Captain Cox's ballets and songs, all ancient. The story of a youth challenging a maid, and losing his wager by being laid asleep with witchcraft, is popular and widespread. In the Gesta Romanorum is a story of which this theme is one main incident, the other being the well-known forfeit of a pound of flesh, as in The Merchant of Venice. Ser Giovanni Pecorone for 1. Tells a similar tale, and other variations are found in narrative or ballad form in Iceland, Sweden, Denmark, Italy, and Germany. The Story 
4. Grimm notes the German superstition that the Rosenschwamm, gall on the wild rose, if laid beneath a man's pillow, causes him to sleep until it be taken away. The Broomfield Hill. There was a knight and a lady bright. There. Had a true tryst at the broom. The indeed early in the morning. The other in the afternoon. And I she sat in her mother's bower door. And I she made her main. Oh, whether should I gang to the Broomfield Hill? Or should I stay at Hain? For if I gang to the Broomfield Hill, my maidenhead is gone. And if I chance to stay at Hain, my love will see a me mansworn. Up then spake a witchwoman. I from the room aboon. Oh, ye may gang to the Broomfield Hill. And yet come maiden Hain. For when ye gang to the Broomfield Hill, ye'll find your love asleep with a silver belt about his head, and a broom cow at his feet. Take you the blossom of the broom, the blossom it smells sweet, and strew it at your true love's head, and likewise at his feet. Take you the rings off your fingers, put them on his right hand, to let him know when he doth awake. His love was at his command. She peed the broom flower on Hive Hill, and strewed on's white hall's bane. And that was to be wittering true, that maiden she had gain. Oh, where were ye, my milk-white steed, that I hay coughed essay dear, that wadna watch and waken me, when there was maiden here? I stamped why my foot, master, and guard my bridle ring, but not can thing walled waken ye, till she was past and gain, and way betide ye, my gay goshawk, that I did love essay dear that wadna watch and waken me, when there was maiden here. I clapped why my wings, master, and on my bells I rang, and I cried, waken, waken, master, before the lady gang. But haste and haste, my good white steed, to come the maiden till, or are the birds of good green wood, of your flesh shall have their fill. Ye need not burst your good white steed, why racing o'er the helm? Nay, bird flies faster through the wood. Then she fled through the broom. Willie's fatal visit. The text is taken from Buchan's Ballads of the North of Scotland. It consists largely of familiar fragments. Stanzas 9 to 11 can be found in the Grey Cock. The text. The story is a trivial piece in Buchan's usual style, but The Smiling Ghost, which is female, 17, is a delightful novelty. She assumes the position of guardian of Willie's morals, then tears him in pieces, and hangs a piece on every seat in the church, and his head over Meggie's pew. The story. Willie's fatal visit. Twas on an evening fair I went to take the air. I heard a maid making her moan. Said, Saw ye my father? Or saw ye my mother? Or saw ye my brother John? Or saw ye the lad that I love best? And his name it is Sweet William? I saw not your father, I saw not your mother, nor saw I your brother John, but I saw the lad that ye love best, and his name it is Sweet William. Oh, was my love riding? Or was he running? Or was he walking alone? Or says he that he will be here this night? Oh, dear, but he tarries long. Your love was not riding, nor yet was he running, but fast was he walking alone. He says that he will be here this night to thee, and forbids you to think long. Then Willie he has gained to his love's door, and gently turled the pin, 
O sleepy, wake ye, my bonnie Maggie. Your rise, latch your true love in. The lassie being swack ran to the door for snack. And gently she lifted the pin. Then into her arms essay large and essay lang. She embraced her bonnie love in. Oh, will ye gang to the cards or the dice? Or to a table o' wine? Or will ye gang to a well-made bed? Well-covered wide blankets fine. Oh, I winna gang to the cards nor the dice. Nor yet to a table o' wine. But I'll rather gang to a well-made bed. Well-covered wide blankets fine. My bra little cock sits on the house tap. You'll craw not till it be day. And your cane shall be o' the good red gowd. And your wings o' the siller gray. The cock being faws untrue he was. And he crew an hour hour scene. They thought it was the good daylight. But it was but the light of the mean. Ohan, alas, says Bonnie Maggie then. This night we hae sleeped our lang. Oh, what is the matter? Then Willie replied. The faster than I must gang. Then sweet Willie raise and put on his clays. And drew till him stockings and sheen. And took by his side his berry brown sword. And our yon lang hill he's gain. As he deed our yon high high hill. And down yon dowie den. Great and grievous was the ghost he saw. Would fear ten thousand men. As he geed in by Mary Kirk. And in by Mary style. Wan and weary was the ghost. Upon sweet Willie did smile. Aft hey ye traveled this road, Willie. Aft hey ye traveled in sin. Ye ne'er said essay muckle for your saul. As my maker bring me hame. Aft hey ye traveled this road, Willie. Your bonnie love to see. But you'll never travel this road again. Till you leave a token why me. Then she has tain him sweet Willie. Riven him fray gare to gare. And on ilk a seat o Mary's kirk. O Willie she hang a share. Even a bean his love Maggie's dice. Hangs head and yellow hair. His father made moan. His mother made moan. But Maggie made muckle mare. His father made moan. His mother made moan. But Maggie reeve her yellow hair. Adam. The text of this half-carol, half-ballad is taken from the Sloan M.S. 2593, whence we get St. Stephen and King Herod and other charming pieces like the well-known carol, I.S.Y.N.G. of a Maiden. It is written in eight long lines in the M.S. The text. M.S. M.S. The story. Wright, who printed the above M.S. For the Wharton Club in 1856, remarks that Adam was supposed to have remained bound in the Limbus Patrum from the time of his death until the crucifixion. In the romance of Owain Miles, Cotton M.S., Kalig. A. 2. The bishops told Owain that Adam was Wyan Hella with Lucifer for 4,604 years. On account of this tradition incorporated in the carol, I have ventured to include it as a ballad although it does not find a place in Professor Child's collection. The story. Mess. Mess. Adam. Adam lay I bound in. Adam. Bounden in a bond. Fowrthos and winter. Thought he not to long. An owl was for an apple. An apple that he talk. As clerks F.Y.N.D.Y. and Reeton. In here book. And he had the apple take Ben. The apple taken Ben. And he had never our lady. A Ben heaving quen. Blessed be the time. That apple take was. 
before we moan S-Y-N-G-Y-N. Deo gracias. Saint Stephen and King Herod. The text is taken from the same manuscript as the last. This manuscript is ascribed, from the style of handwriting, to the reign of Henry VI. The ballad is there written without division into stanzas in twenty-four long lines. The text. 6. The story. The miraculous resuscitation of a roast fowl, generally a cock, as here, in confirmation of an incredible prophecy, is a tale found in nearly all European countries. Originally, we find, the miracle is connected with the passion, not the nativity. See the carnal and the crane. The story. Carnal and the Crane, an interpolation in a late Greek MS, of the apocryphal Gospel of Nicodemus relates that Judas, having failed to induce the Jews to take back the thirty pieces of silver, went home to hang himself, and found his wife roasting a cock. On his demand for a rope to hang himself, she asked why he intended to do so, and he told her he had betrayed his master Jesus to evil men, who would kill him, yet he would rise again on the third day. His wife was incredulous, and said sooner shall this cock, roasting over the coals, crow again, whereat the cock napped his wings and crew thrice. And Judas, confirmed in the truth, straightway made a noose in the rope, and hanged himself. Mess. Thence the miracle tale spread over Europe. In a Spanish version not only the cock crows, but his partner the hen lays an egg, in asseveration of the truth. The tale is generally connected with the legend of the pilgrims of S.T. James, so in French, Spanish, Dutch, Wendyish, and Breton ballads. In 1701 there was printed in London a broadside sheet of carols, headed with a woodcut of the nativity, by the side of which is printed, a religious man, inventing the conceits of both birds and beasts drawn in the picture of our Saviour's birth, doth thus express them, the cock croweth Christus natus est, Christ is born. The raven asked Quando? When? The crow replied Hack knocked this night. The ox crieth out Ube? Ube? Where? Where? The sheep bleated out Bethlehem, Hone's everyday book. Saint Stephen and King Herod. Saint Stephen was a clerk. Saint. In KYNG Herald's Halley. And served him of bread and cloth. As every KYNG befall. Steven out of Ketchum Cam. Wythe Boris head on hand. He saw a stair was fair and B-R-Y-C-H-T. Over Bedlam stand. He kissed adown the boar's head. And went into the halley. I forsack the K-Y-N-G heralds. And T works Allah. I forsack the K-Y-N-G heralds. And T works Allah. There is a C-H-Y-L-D in Bedlam born. Is better than we Allah. Quot islet the Steven. Quot is the befall. Lack at the Aether meat or DRYNK. In KYNG Herod West Halley? Lack at me neither meat any DRYNK. In King Herald's Halley. There is a CHYLD in Bedlam born. Is better than we Allah. Quot islet the Steven? Art thou WOD? Or thou GYNNYSD to breed? Lack at the Aether gold or fay. Or oni rich weed? Lack at me neither gold any fay. Any non rich weed. There is a CHYLD in Bedlam born. Shall help in us at our need. That is Al So South Steven. Al So South IWIS. As this compound crow shall. That light here in MYNDYSH. That word was not so sown said. 
that word in that halley. The capound crew Christus natus est, among the lords Allah. Are why swite ye up, and why intermentors? Be to and el beyond. And let it steven out of this town. And ston at him with ston. Token he steven. And stone it hym in the way. And the four is his even. On Christ's Owen day. The cherry tree carol. The text. As this carol consists of two parts, the first containing the actual story of the cherry tree, and the second consisting of the angel's song to Joseph, I have taken the first part, stt. 1 to 12 inclusive, from the version of Sandy's Christmas Carols, and the second, stt. 13 to 17, from W. H. Husk's Songs of the Nativity. The text. The story of the cherry tree is derived from the Pseudo-Matthew's Gospel and is also to be found in the fifteenth of the Coventry Mysteries. In other languages the fruit chosen is naturally adapted to the country, thus in Provençal it is an apple, elsewhere, as in the original, dates from the palm tree, and again, a fig tree. The story. The second part is often printed as a separate carol, and might well stand alone. Readers of Westward Ho will remember how Amiasli trolls it forth on Christmas Day. Traditional versions are still to be heard in Somerset and Devon. The Cherry Tree Carol Joseph was an old man. Joseph. And an old man was he. When he wedded Mary. In the land of Galilee. Joseph and Mary walked. Through an orchard good. Where was cherries and berries. So red as any blood. Joseph and Mary walked. Through an orchard green. Where was berries and cherries as thick as might be seen. O then bespoke Mary, so meek and so mild. Pluck me one cherry, Joseph, for I am with child. O then bespoke Joseph, with words most unkind. Let him pluck thee a cherry, that got thee with child. O then bespoke the babe, within his mother's womb. Bow down then the tallest tree, for my mother to have some. Then bowed down the highest tree, Unto his mother's hand. Then she cried, See, Joseph, I have cherries at command. O then bespake Joseph, I have done Mary wrong. But cheer up, my dearest, and be not cast down. Then Mary plucked a cherry, as red as the blood. Then Mary went home, with her heavy load. Then Mary took her babe, and sat him on her knee, saying, My dear son, tell me, what this world will be. Oh, I shall be as dead, mother, as the stones in the wall. Oh, the stones in the streets, mother, shall mourn for me all. Upon Easter day, mother, my uprising shall be. Oh, the sun and the moon, mother, shall both rise with me. As Joseph was a-walking, he heard an angel sing, This night shall be born, our heavenly king. He either shall be born, in house and nor in hall, nor in the place of paradise, but in an ox's stall, he either shall be clothed, in purple nor in pall, but all in fair linen, as where babies all, he either shall be rocked, in silver nor in gold, but in a wooden cradle, that rocks on the mold, he either shall be christened, in white wine nor red, but with fair spring water, with which we were christened, the Carnal and the Crane. The text is taken from Sandy's Christmas Carols, 
where it is printed from a broadside. The only alterations, in which I have followed Professor Child, are the obvious correction of East for West 8, and the insertion of one word in 16, where Child says perhaps a preposition has been dropped. The text. The story is compounded of popular legends connected with the life and miracles of Christ. For the miracle of the cock, see St. Stephen and King Herod. The adoration of the beast is derived from the Historia de Nativitate Mariae, and is repeated in many legends of the infancy of Christ, but is not sufficiently remarkable in itself to be popular in carols. The origin of the miracle of the harvest is unknown, though in a Breton ballad it forms one of the class known as the miracles of the Virgin, C.P. Brown Robin's Confession. Swedish, Provençal, Catalan, Wendyish, and Belgian folktales record similar legends. The Story St. Stephen and King Herod It is much to be regretted that this ballad, which from internal evidence, e.g. the use of the word ren, one, is to be attributed to an early age, should have become so incoherent and corrupted by oral tradition. No manuscript or printed copy is known earlier than about 1750, when it occurs in broadside form. The very word carnal has lapsed from the dictionaries, though somewhere it may survive in speech. Stanza 17 is obviously out of place. One may suspect gaps on either side, for surely more beasts than the lovely lion were enumerated, and a new section begins at stanza 18. The Carnal and the Crane As I passed by a riverside As And there as I did rain In argument I chanced to hear A carnal and a crane The carnal said unto the crane If all the world should turn Before we had the father But now we have the son. From whence does the son come? From where and from what place? He said in a manger. Between an ox and ass. I pray thee, said the carnal. Tell me before thou go. Was not the mother of Jesus. Conceived by the Holy Ghost? She was the purest virgin. And the cleanest from sin. She was the handmaid of our Lord. And mother of our King. Where is the golden cradle? That Christ was rocked in. Where are the silken sheets? That Jesus was wrapped in. A manger was the cradle. That Christ was rocked in. The provender the asses left. So sweetly he slept on. There was a star in the east land. So bright it did appear. Into King Herod's chamber. And where King Herod were. The wise men soon espied it. And told the king on high. A princely babe was born that night. No king could e'er destroy. If this be true, King Herod said, As thou tellest unto me, This roasted cock that lies in the dish Shall crow full fences three. The cock soon freshly feathered was By the work of God's own hand. And then three fences crowed he In the dish where he did stand. Rise up, rise up, you merry men all. See that you ready be. All children under two years old. Now slain they all shall be. Then Jesus, ah, and Joseph. And Mary, that was so pure. They traveled into Egypt. As you shall find it sure. And when they came to Egypt's land. Amongst those fierce wild beasts. Mary, she being weary. Must needs sit down to rest. Come sit thee down, says Jesus. Come sit thee down by me. And thou shalt see how these wild beasts do come and worship me. First came the lovely lion. 
which, too, Jesus' grace did spring. And of the wild beasts in the field, the lion shall be king. We'll choose our virtuous princes, of birth and high degree. In every sundry nation, where'er we come and see, then Jesus, ah, and Joseph, and Mary, that was unknown. They traveled by a husbandman, just while his seed was sown. God speed thee, man, said Jesus. Go fetch thy oxen wane, and carry home thy corn again, which thou this day hast sown. The husbandman fell on his knees, even upon his face. Long time hast thou been looked for, but now thou art come at last, and I myself do now believe. Thy name is Jesus called. Redeemer of mankind thou art, though undeserving all. The truth, man, thou hast spoken, of it thou mayst be sure. For I must lose my precious blood, for thee and thousands more, if any one should come this way, and inquire for me alone. Tell them that Jesus passed by, as thou thy seed didst sell. After that there came King Herod, with his train so furiously, inquiring of the husbandmen, whether Jesus passed by. Why, the truth it must be spoke, and the truth it must be known. For Jesus passed by this way, when my seed was sown. But now I have it reaping, and some laid on my wain, ready to fetch and carry, into my barn again. Turn back, said the captain, your labor and mine's in vain. It's full three quarters of a year, since he his seed hath sown. So Herod was deceived by the work of God's own hand. And further he proceeded into the holy land. There's thousands of children young, which for his sake did die. Do not forbid those little ones, and do not them deny. The truth now I have spoken, and the truth now I have shown. Even the blessed virgin, she's now brought forth a son, Dives and Lazarus. The text is given from Joshua Sylvester's A Garland of Christmas Carols, where it is printed from an old Birmingham broadside. The text. The story is one which naturally attracted the attention of the popular ballad maker, and parallel ballads exist in fairly wide European distribution. The story. Like the carnal and the crane, the form in which this ballad is now known is no witness of its antiquity. A ballet of the rich man and poor Lazarus was licensed to be printed in 1558. A ballet, Dives and Lazarus, in 1570 to 1. In Fletcher's Monsieur Thomas, 1639, a fiddler says he can sing the merry ballad of Diverus and Lazarus. A correspondent in Notes and Queries, sir. 4 3. 76 says he had heard only Diverus, never Dives and contributes from memory a version as sung by carol singers at Christmas in Worcestershire, in which the parallelism of the stanzas is pushed so far that, in the lines corresponding to thirteen, and thirteen, in the present version, we have the delightfully popular idea. 4. There is a place prepared in hell. For to sit upon a serpent's knee. Husk, Songs of the Nativity, also gives this version, from an eighteenth-century Worcestershire broadside. I have no doubt but that this feature is traditional from the unknown 16th century ballad, Dives and Lazarus, as it fell out upon a day, as rich dives he made a feast, and he invited all his friends, and gentry of the best, 
Then Lazarus laid him down and down, and down at Dives' door. Some meat, some drink, brother Dives, bestow upon the poor. Thou art none of my brother, Lazarus, that lies begging at my door. No meat nor drink will I give thee, nor bestow upon the poor. Then Lazarus laid him down and down, and down at Dives' wall. Some meat, some drink, brother Dives, or with hunger starve I shall. Thou art none of my brother, Lazarus, that lies begging at my wall. No meat nor drink will I give thee, but with hunger starve you shall. Then Lazarus laid him down and down, and down at Dives' gate. Some meat, some drink, brother Dives, for Jesus Christ's sake. Thou art none of my brother, Lazarus, that lies begging at my gate. No meat nor drink will I give thee, for Jesus Christ's sake. Then Dives sent out his merry men, to whip poor Lazarus away. They had no power to strike a stroke, but flung their whips away. Then Dives sent out his hungry dogs, to bite him as he lay. They had no power to bite at all, but licked his sores away, as it fell out upon a day. Poor Lazarus sickened and died. There came two angels out of heaven, his soul therein to guide. Rise up, rise up, brother Lazarus, and go along with me. For you've a place prepared in heaven, to sit on an angel's knee, as it fell out upon a day. Rich dives sickened and died. There came two serpents out of hell, his soul therein to guide. Rise up, rise up, brother dives, and go with us to see. A dismal place prepared in hell, from which thou canst not flee. Then Dives looked up with his eyes, and saw poor Lazarus blessed. Give me one drop of water, brother Lazarus, to quench my flaming thirst. Oh, had I as many years to abide, as there are blades of grass, then there would be an end, but now, hell's pains will ne'er be passed. Oh, was I now but alive again, the space of an half hour. Oh, that I'd made my peace secure. Then the devil should have no power. Brown Robin's Confession. The text is the only one known that printed by Buchan, Ballads of the North of Scotland, and copied into Motherwell's MS. The text, MS. The story, relating as it does a miracle of the Virgin, is, perhaps, the only one we possess of a class which, in other lands, is so extensive. A similar Scandinavian ballad has a tragical termination, except in one version. The story. The casting of lots to discover the Jonah of a ship is a feature common to many literatures. Brown Robin's Confession. It fell upon a Woden's day. It. Brown Robin's men went to sea. But they saw either moon nor sun. Nor starlight why there e. Will cast kevils us amain. See why the unhappy man may be. The kevil fell on Brown Robin. The master man was he. It is nay wonder, said Brown Robin, although I didna thrive. For why my mither I had T.W.A. Bairns, and why my sister five, but tie me to a plank o' wooda, and throw me in the sea. And if I sink, you may bid me sink. But if I swim, just let me be. They've tied him to a plank o' wooda, and thrown him in the sea. He didn't sink, though they bade him sink. He swimmed, and they bade let him be. He hadn't a been into the sea.
an hour but barely three, till by it came our blessed lady, her dear young son her why. Will ye gang to your men again? Or will ye gang why me? Will ye gang to the high heavens? Why my dear son and me? I went a gang to my men again, for they would be feared at me. But I would gang to the high heavens. Why thy dear son and thee? It's for nay honor ye did to me, brown robin. It's for nay guid ye did to me. But it is for your fair confession. You've made upon the sea. Judas. The text is given from a 13th century MS. In the library of Trinity College, Cambridge, B. 1439 it is thus the earliest text of any ballad that we possess. In the MS. It is written in long lines, 4 or 6, as in 4, 12, and 14, to the stanza. The text. Mess. Mess. As the language in which it is written is not easily intelligible, I have added a paraphrase on the opposite pages. The story is of great interest, as it adds to the various legends of Judas a Swickle's sister. The treachery of Judas has long been popularly explained, from the Gospel of St. John, 12. 3 to 6, as follows, Judas, being accustomed as bearer of the bag to take a tithe of all monies passing through his hands, considered that he had lost thirty pence on the ointment that might have been sold for three hundred pence, and so took his revenge. The story. A Wendyish ballad makes him lose the thirty pieces of silver, entrusted to him for buying bread, and gambling with certain Jews, who, when he had lost everything, suggested that he should sell his master. Afterwards, in remorse, he rushes away to hang himself. The fir tree is soft wood and will not bear him. The aspen is hard wood and will bear him, so he hangs himself on the aspen. Since when, the aspen always trembles in fear of the judgment day. Judas won. It was upon a seer Thursday that your lover arrows, full milled were the wards he spec to Yudas. Judas. It was upon a seer Thursday. Hit. That your lover arrows. Full milled were the wards. He spec to Yudas. Paraphrase it was upon a seer Thursday that our Lord arose. Full mild were the words he spake to Judas. Paraphrase. It was upon a seer Thursday. It. That our Lord arose. Full mild were the words. He spake to Judas. Two. Yudas, thou most to Jerusalem, our meat for to bug. Thridi platen of selver thou bear up othi rug. Yudas, thou most to Jerusalem. Our meat for to bug. Thridi platen of selver. Thou bear up othi rug. Judas, thou must to Jerusalem, our meat for to buy. Thirty plates of silver bear thou upon thy back. Judas, thou must to Jerusalem. Our meat for to buy. Thirty plates of silver. Bear thou upon thy back. Three. Balcomas fareth Broadstret, fareth Broad Street, some of thine tunes men that thou mayst I meet. Thou comest fareth Broadstret, fareth Broad Street, some of thine tunes men that thou mayst I meet. Come thou far in the Broad Street, far in the Broad Street, some of thy townsmen where thou mightst meet. Come thou far in the Broad Street, far in the Broad Street, some of thy townsmen where thou mightst meet. 4. I met Widdis Soster, the Swyko Wyman, Yudas, thou were ride me stand the Widstan, for the false prophet that too bilvest upon. I met Widdis Soster, the Swyko Wyman, Yudas, thou were writhe. 
Me stand the withstand. For the false prophet. That too bilest upon. Being met with his sister, the treacherous woman, Judas, thou wert worthy one should have stoned thee with stone. For the false prophet that thou believest upon. Being met with his sister, the treacherous woman, Judas, thou wert worthy. One should have stoned thee with stone. For the false prophet, that thou believest upon. 5. Be still, leave Soster, thin hurt the tabreek. Waste men lovered Christ, full wel he wolda be reek. Be still, leave Soster, thin hurt the tabreek. Waste men lovered Christ, full wel he wolda be reek. Be still, dear sister, may thine heart burst thee in twain. Did my Lord Christ know, full well would he be avenged. Be still, dear sister, may thine heart burst thee in twain. Did my Lord Christ know? Full well would he be avenged. 6. Judas, go thou on the rock high up on the stone, lay thin heaved on my barm, slept thou the anon. Judas, go thou on the rock high up on the stone, lay thin heaved on my barm, slept thou the anon. Judas, go thou on the rock high up on the stone, lay thine head in my bosom, sleep thou anon. Judas, go thou on the rock high up on the stone. Lay thine head in my bosom. Sleep thou anon. 7. So and so Judas of sleep was awake, thirty platin of silver from HYM wherein it take. So and so Judas of sleep was awake, thirty platin of silver from HYM wherein it take. So soon as Judas from sleep was awake, thirty plates of silver from him were taken. So soon as Judas from sleep was awake, thirty plates of silver. From him were taken. 8. He draw HYM self by the cop that Alet Levide ablode, the use out of Jerusalem awendin he were woed. He draw HYM self by the cop that Alet Levide ablode, the use out of Jerusalem awendin he were woed. He drew himself by the head so that it all ran with blood, the Jews out of Jerusalem thought he was mad. He drew himself by the head so that it all ran with blood. The Jews out of Jerusalem thought he was mad. 9. For Ahym come the Rishayu that heist Pilatus, wolt salty lover that had Jesus? For Ahym come the Rishayu that heist Pilatus, wolt salty lover that had Jesus? Forth to him came the rich Jew that hight Pilatus, wilt thou sell thy Lord that hight Jesus? Forth to him came the rich Jew that hight Pilatus. Wilt thou sell thy Lord? That height Jesus? 10. I know so my lovered for nones cun's eyes, boat hit be for the thritty platin that he me by taste. I know so my lovered for nones cun's eyes, boat hit be for the thritty platin that he me by taste. I will not sell my Lord for no kind of goods, except it be for the thirty plates that he entrusted to me. I will not sell my Lord for no kind of goods. Except it be for the thirty plates that he entrusted to me. 11. Wold salty Lord Christ for N.S. Cun's gold? Nay, boat hit be for the platin that he have in Wolda. Wold salty Lord Christ for N.S. Cun's gold? Nay, boat hit be for the platin that he have in Wolda. Wilt thou sell thy Lord Christ for any kind of gold? Nay, except it be for the plates that he wished to have. Wilt thou sell thy Lord Christ? For any kind of gold? 
nay, except it be for the plates, that he wished to have. 12. In him come ye our Lord gone as his apostles set in at meat, while sit ye, apostles, and winel ye eat. I see him I bestand I sold today for our meat. In him come ye our Lord gone, as his apostles set in at meat, while sit ye, apostles, and winel ye eat. I see him I bestand I sold today for our meat. In came our Lord walking as his apostles sat at meat, how sit ye, apostles, and why will ye not eat? I am bought and sold today for our meat. In came our Lord walking, as his apostles sat at meat. How sit ye, apostles? And why will ye not eat? I am bought and sold, today for our meat. 13. Upstart him, Judas, Lord, am I that freck? I nas never had stood there me the evil speck. Upstart him, Judas, Lord, am I that freck? I nas never had stood. There me the evil speck. Ups to Judas, Lord, am I that man? I was never in the place where I spake evil of thee. Ups to Judas, Lord, am I that man? I was never in the place where I spake evil of thee. 14. Up him stod Peter, and speck would all is missed. Thou palatest him come with ten hundred nists, yet I see wolde, lovered, for tea love fist. Up him stod Peter, and speck would all is missed. Thou palatest him come, with ten hundred nists, yet I see wolde lovered, for tea love fist. Up stood Peter, and spoke with all his might, though Pilate should come with ten hundred knights, yet I would, Lord, for thy love fight. Up stood Peter, and spoke with all his might, though Pilate should come, with ten hundred knights, yet I would, Lord, for thy love fight. 15. Still thou be, Peter. Well, I thee know, thou wilt forsake me thrian ar the cock him crow. Still thou be, Peter. Well, I thee know, thou wilt forsake me thrian ar the cock him crow. Still be thou, Peter. Well, I thee know, thou wilt forsake me thrice ere the cock crow. Still be thou, Peter. Well, I thee know, thou wilt forsake me thrice ere the cock crow. The maid and the palmer. The text is from the Percy Folio MS. The only other known text is a fragment from Sir Walter Scott's recollection, printed in C. K. Sharp's Ballad Book. The text. MS. The story is well known in the folklore of Europe, and is especially common in the Scandinavian languages. As a rule, however, all these ballads blend the story of the woman of Samaria with the traditions concerning Mary Magdalene that were extant in medieval times. The story. From the present ballad it could hardly be gathered except, perhaps, from stanza 11 that the old palmer represents Christ. This point is at once obvious in the Scandinavian and other ballads. The extraordinary burden in the English ballad is one of the most elaborate in existence, and is quite as inexplicable as any. The expression to lead an ape in hell, 14, occurs constantly in Elizabethan and later literature, always in connection with women who die, or expect to die unmarried. Dice says the expression never has been, and never will be, satisfactorily explained, but it was suggested by Stevens that women who had no mate on earth should adopt in hell an ape as a substitute. The maid and the palmer. The maid she went to the well to wash. The. Lilimwam, Lilimwam. The maid she went to the well to wash. What then, what then? 
The maid she went to the well to wash. Dew fell of her lily-white flesh. Grandam boy, grandam boy, hi. Lega dairy lega merry met mare hulpur. Drivance, lerumban, grandam boy, hi. White she washed and white she ranjit. White she hanged o the hazel wand. There came an old palmer by the way. Sayest, God speed thee well, thou fair maid. Hast either cup or can. To give an old palmer drink therein? Says, I have either cup nor can. To give an old palmer drink therein. But in thy lemon came from room. Cups and can thou wold find soon. She swear by God and good esti John. Lemon had she never none. Says, peace, fair maid, you are forsworn. Nine children you have borne. Three were buried under thy bed's head. Other three under thy brewing lead. Other three on yon play green. Count, maid, and there be nine. But I hope you are the good old man. That all the world believes upon. Old Palmer, I pray thee. Penance that thou wilt give to me. Penance I can give thee none. But seven year to be a stepping stone. Other seven a clapper in a bell. Other seven to lead an ape in hell. When thou hast thy penance done, then thou'st come a maiden home, Lady Isabel and the Elf Knight. The text is taken from Buchan's Ballads of the North of Scotland, where it is entitled the Gowan's Essay Gay. This ballad is much better known in another form, Maycol then, Colin, Colleen. The text. The story. Professor Child says, of all ballads this has perhaps obtained the widest circulation, and devotes thirty-two pages to its introduction. Known in the south as well as in the north of Europe, the Germans and Scandinavians preserve it in fuller and more ancient forms than the Latin nations. The Story In the still popular Dutch ballad Heilwin, here Heilwin sings so sweetly that the king's daughter asks leave to go to him. Her father, mother, and sister remind her that those who have gone to him have never returned. Her brother says he does not care where she goes, if she retains her honor. She makes an elaborate toilet takes the best horse in the king's stables, and joins Heilwin in the wood. They ride till they come to a gallows with many women hanged upon it. Heilwin offers her the choice of the means of her death, because she is fairest of all. She says she will choose the sword, but that Heilwin had better take off his coat, as it would be a pity to splash it with her blood. As he takes it off, she cuts off his head, which, however, continues to talk, suggesting she should blow his horn to warn his friends. She does not fall into this rather obvious trap, nor will she agree to his suggestion that she should rub his neck with a certain ointment. As she rides home, she meets Heilwin's mother and tells her he is dead. She is received back with great honor and affection in her father's castle. This is the best form of the story, but many others only a little less full are found in Flanders, Denmark, Sweden, Norway, Iceland, Germany, Nearly thirty variants which fall into three main divisions found respectively in northwest, south, and northeast Germany, Poland, where it is extraordinarily common, Bohemia, Serbia, France, North Italy, Spain, and Portugal. And a Magyar ballad bears a certain resemblance. On the whole, the English ballad here printed, but not Mekolden, and the Danish, Swedish, and Norwegian ballads would seem to be the best preserved on account of their retention of the primary notion that the maid first charms the knight to sleep and then binds him. In Mekolden and many of the other European versions, the knight bids her strip off her gown, 
she asks him to turn away his face as she does so, and when he is not looking, she pushes him into the river or sea. The remarkable likeness existing between the names of the knight and the many languages, e.g. Halewin, Dutch, Ulver, Olmar, Holloman, Danish, Albert, German, and Elf Knight in English, has caused some speculation as to a common origin. Professor Bug has gone so far as to conjecture that the whole story is an offshoot of the tale of Judith and Holofernes, the latter name being the originals of the variants given above. While this hypothesis is perhaps too startling to be accepted without further evidence, it must be allowed that there are resemblances in the two stories. And as for the metamorphosis of Holofernes into Halewin or Albert, it is at once apparent that such changes are quite within the possibilities of phonetic tradition, and any one who is unwilling to credit this should recollect the Scottish Keepak and Dreich, used together or separately, which are derived, almost beyond belief, from hypochondriac. Maykolden is one of the few ancient ballads still kept in print in broadside form. Lady Isabel and the Elf Knight Fair Lady Isabel sits in her bower sewing. Fair. I as the gowans grow gay. There she heard an elf knight blowing his horn. The first morning in May. If I had yon horn that I hear blowing. And yon elf knight to sleep in my bosom. This maiden had scarcely these words spoken. Till in at her window the elf knight has luppen. It's a very strange matter, fair maiden, said he. I cannot blow my horn but ye call on me. But will ye go to yon greenwood side? If ye can a gang, I will cause you to ride. He leapt on a horse, and she on another. And they rode on to the greenwood together. Light down, light down, Lady Isabel, said he. We are come to the place where you are to die. Hey mercy, hey mercy, kind sir, on me. Till ence my dear father and mother I see. Seven king's daughters here hey I slain. And ye shall be the eight o' them. Oh, sit down a while, lay your head on my knee, that we may haste some rest before that I die. She stroked him essay fast, the nearer he did creep. Why a SMA charm she lulled him fast asleep? Why his iron sword belt essay fast as she ban him? Why his iron dag dirk essay sarah as she dang him? If seven king's daughters hear ye hay slain, lie ye here, a husband to them a dot. A noble riddle wisely expounded. The text is from a broadside of the 17th century from the press of Coles, Veer, Wright, and Clark, now preserved in the Rawlinson Collection in the Bodleian Library. The text. The story of this ballad is one of the common class of riddle ballads. Some of these riddles are found also in Captain Wedderburn. The story. It is not clear why in 18. Poison is greener than the grass. In Captain Wedderburn, 17. It is death that is greener than the grass which is equally inexplicable. A variant of the latter gives vergus, equals verjuice, a kind of vinegar, which obviously means green juice. It is possible that this might come to be regarded as a synonym for poison, and the next step is to substitute death for poison. A noble riddle wisely expounded. There was a lady of the north country. There lay the bent to the bonny broom, and she had lovely daughters three. F.A. la la la, F.A. la 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 re. There was a knight of noble worth, which also lived in the north. The knight of courage stout and brave. A wife he did desire to have. He knocked at the lady's gate. One evening when it was late, the eldest sister let him in. 
and pinned the door with a silver pin. The second sister she made his bed, and laid soft pillows under his head. The youngest daughter that same night, she went to bed with this young knight, and in the morning, when it was day, these words unto him she did say, Now you have had your will, quoth she. I pray, sir knight, will you marry me? The young brave knight to her replied, Thy suit, fair maid, shall not be denied. If thou canst answer me questions three, this very day will I marry thee. Kind sir, in love, oh then, quoth she, tell me what your three questions be. Oh, what is longer than the way? Or what is deeper than the sea? Or what is louder than the horn? Or what is sharper than a thorn? Or what is greener than the grass? Or what is worse than a woman was? O love is longer than the way, and hell is deeper than the sea, and thunder is louder than the horn, and hunger is sharper than a thorn, and poison is greener than the grass, and the devil is worse than woman was, when she these questions answered had. The knight became exceeding glad, and having truly tried her wit, he much commended her for it, and after, as it is verified, he made of her his lovely bride. So now, fair maidens all, adieu. This song I dedicate to you. I wish that you may constant prove. unto the man that you do love. Captain Wedderburn. The text is from Kinloch's Mises, where it was written down from the recitation of Mary Barr. It is entitled The Earl of Rosslyn's Daughter. The text. Mmss. The story is the converse of a noble riddle wisely expounded, in which the maid wins a husband by riddles. In the present one the captain outriddles the maid. Similar tales are very popular in many lands, being found in Persia, Russia, Norway, Sweden, Denmark, Turkey, Lithuania, East Siberia, etc. The Story Most of the ladies' riddles are found in an old English song and its traditional derivatives. The song, which is given below, is found in Sloan MS. 2593 which contains other carols and ballads, see pages 123-8. to eight. From this is derived the nursery song beginning. Mess. Pages 123-8. to eight. I had four brothers over the sea. With many variations, four sisters, six lovers, a true lover, and with a curious half-Latin refrain which varies between Paramara dictum domini and Perimeri dixi domini. The following is the song referred to above. It was twice printed by T. Right from the 15th century M.S. M.S. I have a young suster. I have. Fair beyond in the S.E. Many be the drowrius. That chase sente me. Chase sente me the cherry. Without an oni stan. And so che didi the dao. Without an oni bon. Ski sente me the brer. Without an oni rinda. Ski bad me love my lemon. Without longing. How soldoni cherry. Be without stan. And how soldoni dao. Ben without bon. How soldeni brer. Ben without rinda. How sold I love my lemon. Without longing. Quan the cherry was a flower. Then had it non stan. Quan the dao was an ey. Then had it non bon. Quan the brer was on bread. Then had it non rind. Quan the maiden hate that che love it. Che is without longing. Captain Wedderburn.
the lord of Rosalind's daughter gied through the wood her lane. The. And there she met Captain Wedderburn, a servant to the king. He said unto his liveryman, Were ye na agin the law? I wad tack her to my ain bed, and lay her at the wa dot. I'm walking here my lane, she says, among my father's trees. And ye may let me walk my lane, kind sir, now gin ye please. The supper bell it will be rung, and I'll be missed awa. As say I'll now lie in your bed, and neither stock nor wa dot. He said, My pretty lady, I pray lend me your hand, and ye'll hae drums and trumpets always at your command, and fifty men to guard ye why, that will their swords can draw. As say ye will baith lie in a bed, and ye'll lie at the wa dot. Hot awa frae me, kind sir, I pray let go my hand. The supper bell it will be rung, nay langerman I stand. My father he'll na supper tack, jif I be missed awa. As say ye I'll now lie in your bed, and neither stock nor wa dot. Oh, my name is Captain Wedderburn, my name I'll ne'er deny. And I command ten thousand men, yupo yon mountains high. Though your father and his men were here, of them I'd stand na all. But should tack ye to my ain bed, and lay ye neis the wa dot. Then he lap of his milk-white steed, and set the lady on. And of the way he walked on foot, he held her by the hand. He held her by the middle jimp, for fear that she should f'a. Saying, I'll tack ye to my ain bed, and lay thee at the wa dot. He took her to his quartering house, his landlady looked ben. Saying, Money a pretty lady in Edinburgh I've seen. But sick na pretty lady is not into it a. Gee, mack for her a fine down bed, and lay her at the wa dot. O hot awa frae me, kind sir, I pray ye lat me be. For I'll na lie in your bed till I get dishes three. Dishes three mon be dressed for me, jif I should eat them. Before I lie in your bed, at either stock or wa. Tis I mon hay to my supper a chicken without a bane. And I mon hay to my supper a cherry without a stain. And I mon hay to my supper a bird without a gaw. Before I lie in your bed, at either stock or wa dot. One the chickens in the shell, I'm sure it has na bane. And one the cherries in the bloom, I wot it has na stain. The dove she is a genty bird, she flees without a gaw. Essay will bath lie in a bed, and ye'll be at the wa dot. O hot awa frae me, kind sir, I pray ye give me o'er. For I'll now lie in your bed, till I get presents for. Presents for ye man jiai me, and that is twa and twa. Before I lie in your bed, at either stock or wa. Tis I mon hay some winter fruit that in December grew. And I mon hay a silk mantle that waft geed never through. A sparrow's horn, a priest unborn, this nick to join us TWA. Before I lie in your bed, at either stock or wa dot. My father has some winter fruit that in December grew. My mither has a silk mantle the waft geed never through. A sparrow's horn ye soon may find, there's ain on every claw. And TWA you pull the gab o it, and ye shall get them a. The priest he stands without the yet, just ready to come in. Nay man can say he e'er was born, nay man without he sin. He was hale cut frae his mither's side, and frae the same let f'a. Essay will baith lie in a bed, and yes he lie at the wa dot. O hot awa frae me, kind sir, I pray don't me perplex. For I'll now lie in your bed till ye answer question six. Question six ye mon answer me, 
and that is four and TWA. Before I lie in your bed, at either stock or wa. Oh, what is greener than the grass? What's higher than they trees? Oh, what is worse than women's wish? What's deeper than the seas? What bird crawls first? What tree buds first? What first does on the mafe? Before I lie in your bed, at either stock or wa dot. Death is greener than the grass, heaven higher than they trees. The devil's war than women's wish, hell's deeper than the seas. The cock crawls first, the cedar buds first, do first on them does fa. Essay will bathe lie in a bed, and yes he lie at the wa. Little did this lady think, that morning one she raise, that this was for to be the last o'er her maiden days. But there's nine to the king's realm to be found a blither twa. And now she's Mrs. Wedderburn, and she lies at the wa. The Elfin Knight. The text is from a broadside in black letter in the Papisian Library at Cambridge, bound up at the end of a book published in 1673. The text. The story of this ballad but poorly represents the complete form of the story as exhibited in many German and other ballads, where alternate bargaining and riddling ensues between a man and a maid. This long series of ballads is akin to the still longer series in which the person upon whom an impossible task is imposed is considered to have got the mastery by retaliating with another impossible task. The Story The opening stanzas of this ballad correspond closely with those of Lady Isabel and the Elf Knight. The Elfin Knight My plaid awa, my plaid awa And o'er the hill and far awa And far awa to Norowa My plaid shall not be blown awa the elfin knight sits on yon hill. The. Bie, 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 lily bie. He blows his horn both load and shrill. The wind hath blown my plaid awa. He blows it east, he blows it west. He blows it where he liketh best. I wish that horn were in my kist. Yeah, and the knight in my arms too. She had no sooner these words said. When that the knight came to her bed. Thou art over young the maid, quoth he. Married with me thou I o wouldst be. I have a sister younger than I. And she was married yesterday. Married with me if thou wouldst be. A courtesy thou must do to me. For thou must shape a sark to me. Without any cut or heem, quoth he. Thou must shape it knife and cheerless. And also sew it needle threadless. If that piece of courtesy I do to thee. Another thou must do to me. I have an acre of good lay land which lieth low by yon sea strand. For thou muster it with thy horn. So thou must sow it with thy corn. And big a cart of stone and lime. Robin redbreast he must trail it hame. Thou must barn it in a mouse hall. And thrash it into thy shoes sall. And thou must winnow it in thy loof. And also seek it in thy glove. For thou must bring it over the sea. And thou must bring it dry home to me. When thou hast gotten thy turns well done. Then come to me and get thy sark then. I'll not quite my plaid for my life. It haps my seven barons and my wife. The wind shall not blow my plaid awa. My maiden head I'll then keep still. Let the elfin knight do what he will. The wind's not blown my plaid awa. King John and the Abbot. The text here printed is taken from Percy's Relics, 1765, Volume 2. Page 302 etc. He compiled his ballad from a broadside and another copy, King's John and Bishop, that he found in his folio MS, 
and since he made it a much more readable ballad than either of his originals, it is reproduced here. The text. Mess. The story. Riddles asked by a monarch of one of his dependents, and answered by a third person assuming the guise of the person questioned, form the subject of many ancient tales. In Sacchetti's Novelli we find both the abbot and his representative, a miller, who answers Bernabo Visconti the four questions, how far is it to heaven? How much water is there in the sea? What is going on in hell? What is the value of my person? The answers to the first two of these are given simply in large numbers and Bernabo told to measure for himself if he does not believe them. The value of Bernabo's person is estimated, as in our ballad, at one piece less than our Lord. The story. Another favorite question in these ballads is, where is the center of the earth? The answer is given by the man planting his staff and saying, here, prove it wrong if you can. In the Percy Folio version, the shepherd is the half-brother of the abbot. King John and the abbot of Canterbury. An ancient story I'll tell you anon. In. Of the notable prince that was called King John. And he ruled England with main and with might. For he did great wrong, and maintained little right. And I'll tell you a story, a story so merry, Concerning the abbot of Canterbury. How for his housekeeping, and high renown. They rode post for him to London town. An hundred men, the king did hear say. The abbot kept in his house every day. And fifty gold chains, without any doubt. In velvet coats waited the abbot about. How now, father abbot, I hear it of thee. Thou keepest a far better house than me. And for thy housekeeping and high renown. I fear thou works treason against my crown. My liege, quo the abbot, I would it were known. I never spend nothing but what is my own. And I trust, your grace will do me no dear. For spending of my own true gotten gear. Yes, yes, father abbot, thy fault it is high. And now for the same thou needest must die. For except thou canst answer me questions three. Thy head shall be smitten from thy body. And first, quoth the king, when I'm in this stead, with my crown of gold so fair on my head. Among all my liege men so noble of Bertha, thou must tell me to one penny what I am worth. Secondly, tell me, without any doubt, how soon I may ride the whole world about. And at the third question thou must not shrink. But tell me here truly what I do think. Oh, these are hard questions for my shallow wit. Nor I cannot answer your graces yet. But if you will give me but three weeks' space, I'll do my endeavor to answer your grace. Now three weeks' space to thee will I give, and that is the longest time thou hast to live. For if thou dost not answer my questions three, thy lands and thy livings are forfeit to me. Away rode the abbot all sad at that word. And he rode to Cambridge and Oxenford. But never a doctor there was so wise that could with his learning an answer devise. Then home rode the abbot of comfort so cold, and he met his shepherd a-going to fold. How now, my lord abbot, you are welcome home. What news do you bring us from good King John? Sad news, sad news, shepherd I must give, that I have but three days more to live. For if I do not answer him questions three, my head will be smitten from my body. The first is to tell him there in that stead, with his crown of gold so fair on his head, among all his liege men so noble of birth, 
to within one penny of what he is worth. The second to tell him, without any doubt, how soon he may ride this whole world about. And at the third question I must not shrink. But tell him there truly what he does think. Now chair up, sire abbot, did ye never hear yet. That a fool he may learn a wise man wit? Lend me horse, and serving men, and your apparel. And I'll ride to London to answer a your quarrel. Nay frown not, if it hath been told unto me. I am like your lordship as ever may be. And if you will but lend me your gown. There is none shall know us at fair London town. Now horses, and serving men thou shalt have. With sumptuous array most gallant and brave. With crozier, and mitre, and rochet, and cope. Fit to appear for our fate of the Pope. Now welcome, sire abbot, the king he did say. Tis well thou art he come back to keep thy day. For and if thou canst answer my questions three, thy life and thy living both saved shall be. And first, when thou sayest me here in this stead, with my crown of gold so fair on my head, among all my liege men so noble of Bertha, tell me to one penny what I am worth. For thirty pence our Saviour was sold, amongst the false Jews, as I have been told. And twenty-nine is the worth of thee. For I think, thou art one penny worser than he. The king he laughed, and swore by S.T. Biddle. I did not think I had been worth so little. Now secondly tell me, without any doubt, how soon I may ride this whole world about. You must rise with the sun, and ride with the same. Until the next morning he riseth again. And then your grace need not make any doubt. But in twenty-four hours you'll ride it about. The king he laughed, and swore by S.T. Joan. I did not think it could be gone so soon. Now from the third question thou must not shrink. But tell me here truly what I do think. Yeah, that I shall do, and make your grace merry. You think I'm the abbot of Canterbury. But I'm his poor shepherd, as plain you may see. That am come to beg pardon for him and for me. The king he laughed and swore by the mass. I'll make thee lord abbot this day in his place. Now nay, my liege, be not in such speed. For alack I can neither write, any read. For nobles a week, then I will give thee. For this merry jest thou hast shown unto me. And tell the old abbot when thou comest home. Thou hast brought him a pardon from good King John. The falls night upon the road. The text is taken from the introduction to Motherwell's minstrelsy. Page 74. The text. The story appears to be a conversation between a wee boy and the devil, the latter under the guise of a knight. The boy will be carried off unless he can have the last word, a charm of great power against all evil spirits. The story. A very similar ballad, of repartees between an old crone and a wee boy, was found at the Lapfjord, Finland. The Falls Knight Upon the Road. Oh, where are ye gone? Quo the Fawz nicked upon the road. I'm gone to the skewl. Quo the wee boy, and still he stewed. What is that upon your back? A twill it is my books. What's that ye've got in your arm? A twill it is my peat. Was ock they sheep? They're mine and my mithers. How money o' them are mine? Are they that hay blue tails? I wish ye were on yon tree. And a good ladder under me. And the ladder for to break and you for to F.A. down. I wish you were in yon S.I.E., and a good bottom under me, 
and the bottom for to break, and ye to be drowned, the Lord of Learn. The text is from the Percy Folio MS, with the spelling modernized, except in two or three instances for the sake of the rhyme, 13, or meter, 102. Other alterations, as suggested by Child, are noted. Apart from the irregularities of meter, this ballad is remarkable for the large proportion of e-rhymes, which are found in seventy-one stanzas, or two-thirds of the whole. The redundant that, which is a feature of the Percy Folio, also occurs frequently, in eleven places, three of which are in optative sentences, eight, fourteen, ninety-one. The text, mess. The ballad is more commonly known as the Lord of Lorne, under which title we find it registered in the Stationer's Company on October 6, 1580. Gilpin refers to it in his Scylithia, 1598, Satire 1, LL 107-108. The Old Ballad of the Lord of Lorne, whose last line in King Harry's day was born. Probably this implies little more than that the ballad was known in Henry VIII's day. Three broadsides are known, two in the Roxbury and one in the Pepys Collection. Both the Roxbury ballads are later than the folio version. 8. The story is derived from that of Roswell and Lillian. Roswell, the king's son, of Naples, overhearing three lords bewailing their long imprisonment, promised to set them free, and did so by stealing the keys from under the king's pillow at night. The king, on hearing of their escape, vowed to slay at sight the man who had set them free. The queen, however, interceding for her son, Roswell was banished under charge of a steward. From this point our ballad follows the romance fairly closely. Roswell and the steward, after changing places, entered the kingdom of Beom. At length Roswell, under the name Disawar, C-29, etc., became chamberlain to the princess Lillian, and she fell in love with him. The king of Beom meanwhile sent to the king of Naples, proposing to wed his daughter to the young prince of Naples, and the Neapolitan king assented. A joust was proclaimed, and Lillian told Disawar to joust for her, but he preferred to go a-hunting. However, in the wood he found the three knights he had helped to escape, and they equipped him for the three days' tourney, in which he defeated the steward. He did not, however, proclaim himself, and Lillian was forced to ask the king herself for Disawar, but her father married her to the steward. During the wedding feast the three Neapolitan lords appeared, but would not acknowledge the steward as their prince, and went in search of Roswell, who told the king of the steward's treachery, and announced himself to be the victor of the justs. The steward was hanged and Roswell married to Lillian. The Story 29. Other romances and stories exist, with similar foundations, especially amongst the Slavic nations. But the best known is the goose girl, Die Gansmagd, of the Grimms, where the sexes are reversed. A connection may be traced between the horse Falada's head and the gelding of the ballad, and the trick of a person, who is sworn to secrecy, divulging the secret to some object, as the gelding, here, but more often a stove or oven, in the presence of witnesses has obtained a wide vogue. The Lord of Learn. It was the worthy Lord of Learn. It. He was a lord of a high degree. He had no more children but one son. He set him to school to learn courtesy. Learning did so proceed with that child. I tell you all in verity. He learned more upon one day than other children did on three. And then bespake the schoolmaster. Unto the Lord of Learn said he, 
I think thou be some stranger born. For the Holy Ghost remains with thee. He said, I am no stranger born. Forsooth, Master, I tell it to thee. It is a gift of Almighty God, which he hath given unto me. The schoolmaster turned him round about. His angry mind he thought to assuage. For the child could answer him so quickly, and was of so tender year of age. The child, he caused a steed to be brought, a golden bridle done him upon. He took his leave of his schoolfellows, and home the child that he is gone. And when he came before his father, he fell low down upon his knee. My blessing, father, I would ask. If Christ would grant you would give it me. Now God be bless, my son and my heir. His servant in heaven that thou may be. What tidings hast thou brought me, child? Thou art coming home so soon to me? Good tidings, father, I have you brought. Good tidings I hope it is to me. The book is not in all Scotland. But I can read it before your eye. A joyed man his father was. Even the worthy lord of learn. Thou shalt go into France, my child. The speeches of all strange lands to learn. But then bespake the child his mother. The lady of learn and then was she. Says who must be his well good guide. When he goes into that strange country. And then bespake that bonny child. Until his father tenderly. Says father I'll have the hen steward. For he hath been true to you and me. The lady to counsel the steward did take. And counted down a hundred pounds there. Says steward be true to my son and my heir. And I will give thee Micklemere. If I be not true to my master he said. Christ himself be not true to me. If I be not true to my lord and master. An ill death that I may die. The lord of learn did apparel his child. With brooch and ring and many a thing. The apparel he had his body upon. They say was worth a squire's living. The parting of the young lord of learn. With his father, his mother, his fellows dear. Would have made a man's heart for to change. If a Jew born that he were. The wind did serve, and they did sail. Over the sea into France land. He used the child so hardly. He would let him have never a penny to spend. And meet he would let the child have none. Nor money to buy none truly. The boy was hungry and thirsty both. Alas! It was the more pity. He laid him down to drink the water. That was so low beneath the brim. He was wont to have drunk both ale and wine. Then was fain of the water so thin. And as he was drinking of the water, that ran so low beneath the brim. So ready was the false steward to drown the bonny boy therein. Have mercy on me, worthy steward. My life, he said, lend it to me. And all that I am heir upon, says I will give unto thee. Mercy to him the steward did take, and pulled the child out of the brim. Ever alack, the more pity. He took his clothes even from him. Says, do thou me off that velvet gown, the crimson hose beneath thy knee. And do me off thy cord of enchune, are buckled with the gold so free. Do thou me off thy satin doublet, thy shirt band wrought with glistering gold. And do me off thy golden chain, about thy neck so many a fold. Do thou me off thy velvet hat, with feather in that is so fine. All unto thy silken shirt, that's wrought with many a golden seam. 
The child before him naked stood, with skin as white as lily flower. For his worthy lord's beauty, he might have been a lady's paramour. He put upon him a leather coat, and breeches of the same beneath the knee, and sent that bonny child him fro, service for to crave truly. He pulled then forth a naked sword, that hang dee full low then by his side. Turn thy name, thou villain, he said, or else this sword shall be thy guide. 29. What must be my name, worthy steward? I pray thee now tell it me. Thy name shall be poor disaware. To tend sheep on a lonely Leah. The bonny child, he went him fro, and looked to himself truly. Saw his apparel so simple upon. O Lord! He weeped tenderly. Unto a shepherd's house that child did go. And said, Sir, God you save and see. Do you not want a servant boy? To tend your sheep on a lonely Leah? Where was thou born? The shepherd said. Where, my boy, or in what country? Sir, he said, I was born in fair Scotland. That is so far beyond the sea. I have no child, the shepherd said. My boy, thou starry and dwell with me. My living, he said, and all my goods. I'll make the heir of after me. And then bespake the shepherd's wife. To the Lord of learn thus did she say. Go thy way to our sheep, she said, and tend them well both night and day. It was a sore office, O Lord, for him. That was a Lord born of a great degree, as he was tending his sheep alone. Neither sport nor play could he. Let us leave talking of the Lord of Learn, and let all such talking go. Let us talk more of the false steward that caused the child all this woe. He sold this Lord of Learn his clothes for five hundred pounds to his pay there, and bought himself a suit of apparel might well beseem a lord to wear, when he that gorgeous apparel bought, that did so finely his body upon. He laughed the bonny child to scorn. That was the bonny lord of learn. He laughed that bonny boy to scorn. Lord, pity it was to hear. I have heard them say, and so have you too, that a man may buy gold too dear, when that he had all that gorgeous apparel, that did so finely his body upon. He went a wooing to the Duke's daughter of France, and called himself the Lord of Learn. The Duke of France heard tell of this. To his place that worthy lord was come truly. He entertained him with a quart of red Rhenish wine. Says, Lord of Learn, thou art welcome to me. Then to supper that they were set, lords and ladies in their degree. The steward was set next the Duke of France. An unseemly sight it was to see. Then bespake the Duke of France. Unto the Lord of Learn said he there. Says Lord of Learn, if thou marry my daughter, I'll mend thy living five hundred pounds a year. Then bespake that lady fair. Answered her father so alone. That she would be his married wife. If he would make her lady of Learn. Then hand in hand the steward her he took. And plight that lady his troth alone. That she should be his married wife. And he would make her the lady of Learn. Thus that night it was gone. The other day was come truly. The lady would see the roebuck run. Up hills and dales and forest free. Then she was ware of the young lord of learn. Tending sheep under a briar truly. And thus she called unto her maids. And held her hands up thus on high. Says, fetch me yon shepherd's boy. 
I'll know why he doth mourn truly. When he came before that lady fair, he fell down upon his knee. He had been so well brought up. He needed not to learn courtesy. Where wast thou born, thou bonny boy? Where or in what country? Madam, I was born in fair Scotland. That is so far beyond the sea. What is thy name, thou bonny boy? I pray thee tell it unto me. My name, he says, is poor disaware. That tends sheep on a lonely Leah. One thing thou must tell me, bonny boy, which I must needs ask of thee. Dost not thou know the young lord of Learn? He is come a-wooing into France to me. Yes, that I do, madam, he said. And then he wept most tenderly. The lord of Learn is a worthy lord. If he were at home in his own country. What ails thee to weep, my bonny boy? Tell me or ere I part thee fro. Nothing but for a friend, madam. That's dead from me many a year ago. A loud laughter the lady laughed. O Lord, she smiled wondrous high. I have dwelled in France since I was born. Such a shepherd's boy I did never see. Wilt thou not leave thy sheep, my child? And come unto service unto me? And I will give thee meat and fee. And my chamberlain thou shalt be. Then I will leave my sheep, madam, he said, and come into service unto thee. If you would give me meat and fee, your chamberlain that I may be. When the lady came before her father, she fell low down upon her knee. Grant me, father, the lady said, this boy my chamberlain to be. But oh nay, nay, the duke did say. So, my daughter, it may not be. The lord that is come a-wooing to you will be offended with you and me. Then came down the false steward, which called himself the lord of Learn. truly. When he looked that bonny boy upon, an angry man I was was he. Where was thou born, thou vagabond? Where, he said, and in what country? Says, I was born in fair Scotland. That is so far beyond the sea. What is thy name, thou vagabond? Have done quickly, and tell it to me. My name, he says, is poor disaware. I tend sheep on the lonely Leah. Thou art a thief, the steward said. And so in the end I will prove thee. Then bespake the lady fair. Peace, Lord of Learn, I do pray thee. For if no love you show this child, no favor can you have of me. Will you believe me, lady fair, when the truth I do tell ye? At Aberdeny beyond the sea. His father he robbed a hundred and three, but then bespake the Duke of France, unto the boy so tenderly, says, Boy, if thou love horses well, my stable groom I will make thee, and thus that that did pass upon, till the twelve months did draw to an end. The boy applied his office so well. Every man became his friend. He went forth early one morning, to water a gelding at the water so free. The gelding up, and with his head. He hit the child above his eye. Woe be to thee, thou gelding, he said, and to the mare that fold thee. Thou hast stricken the lord of learn, a little tiny above the eye. First night after I was born, a lord I was, an earl after my father doth die. My father is the worthy lord of learn. His child he hath no more but me. He sent me over the sea with the false steward and thus that he hath beguiled me. The lady, wa s in her garden green, walking with her maids truly, and heard the boy this morning make, 
and went to weeping truly. Sing on thy song, thou stable groom. I pray thee do not let for me. And as I am a true lady, I will be true unto thee. But nay, now nay, madam, he said, so that it may not be. I am tain sworn upon a book, and forsworn I will not be. Sing on thy song to thy gelding, and thou dost not sing to me. And as I am a true lady, I will ever be true unto thee. He said, Woe be to thee, gelding, and to the mare that fold thee, for thou hast stricken the Lord of Learn, a little above mine eye. First night I was born, a lord I was, an earl after my father doth die. My father is the good lord of Learn, and child he hath no other but me. My father sent me over with the false steward, and thus that he hath beguiled me. Woe be to the steward, lady, he said. Woe be to him verily. He hath been above this twelve months' day, for to deceive both thee and me, if you do not my counsel keep, that I have told you with good intent. And if you do it not well keep, farewell. My life is at an end. I will be true to thee, Lord of Learn, or else Christ be not so unto me. And as I am a true lady, I'll never marry none but thee. She sent in for her father, the duke, in all the speed that e'er might be. Put off my wedding, father, she said, for the love of God, these months three. Sick I am, the lady said. Oh, sick, and very like to die. Put off my wedding, father duke. For the love of God, these months three. The duke of France put off this wedding, of the steward and the lady, months three. For the lady sick she was. Sick, sick, and like to die. She wrote a letter with her own hand. In all the speed that ever might be. She sent over into Scotland. That is so far beyond the sea. When the messenger came before the old lord of Learn, he kneeled low down on his knee, and he delivered the letter unto him, in all the speed that ever might be. First look he looked the letter upon. Lo! He wept full bitterly. The second look he looked it upon. Said, False steward, woe be to thee, when the lady of Learn these tidings heard. O Lord! She wept so bitterly. I told you of this, now good my lord. When I sent my child into that wild country, Peace, lady of learn, the lord did say. For Christ his love I do pray thee. And as I am a Christian man, Roken upon him that I will be. He wrote a letter with his own hand. In all the speed that e'er might be. He sent it into the lords in Scotland. That were born of a great degree. He sent for lords, he sent for knights the best that were in the country, to go with him into the land of France, to seek his son in that strange country. The wind was good, and they did sail. Five hundred men into France land, there to seek that bonny boy. That was the worthy lord of Learn. They sought the country through and through, so far to the duke's place of France land. There they were aware of that bonny boy, standing with a porter's staff in his hand. Then the worshipful they did bow. The serving men fell on their knee. They cast their hats up into the air. For joy that boy that they did see. The Lord of Learn then he light down. And kissed his child both cheek and shin. And said, God bless thee, my son and my heir. The bliss of heaven that thou may win. The false steward and the duke of France. 
were in a castle top truly. What fools are yond, says the false steward. To the porter makes so low courtesy? Then bespake the Duke of France. Calling my lord of learned truly. He said, I doubt the day be come. That either you or I must die. They set the castle round about. A swallow could not have flown away. And there they took the false steward. That the lord of learned did betray. And when they had taken the false steward. He fell low down upon his knee, and craved mercy of the Lord of Learn, for the villainous deed he had done truly. Thou shalt have mercy, said the Lord of Learn. Thou vile traitor, I tell to thee, as the laws of the realm they will thee bear, whether it be for thee to live or die, a quest of lords that there was chosen, to go upon his death truly. There they judged the false steward, whether he was guilty and for to die. The foreman of the jury he came in. He spake his words full loud and high. Said, Make thee ready, thou false steward. For now thy death it draws full nigh. Said he, If my death it doth draw nigh. God forgive me all I have done amiss. Where is that lady I have loved so long? Before my death to give me a kiss? Away, thou traitor, the lady said. Avoid out of my company. For thy vile treason thou hast wrought. Thou had need to cry to God for mercy. First they took him and hanged him half. And let him down before he was dead. And quartered him in quarters many. And sawed him in a boiling lead. And then they took him out again. And cut in all his joints and sunder. And burned him eke upon a hill. I wist they did him cursely cumber. A loud laughter the lady laughed. O Lord! She smiled merrily. She said, I may praise my heavenly king, that ever I seen this vile traitor die. Then bespake the Duke of France. Unto the right Lord of Learn said he there. Says Lord of Learn, if thou wilt marry my daughter, I'll mend thy living five hundred pounds a year. But then bespake that bonny boy, and answered the Duke quickly, I had rather marry your daughter with a ring of gold. Then all the gold that e'er I blinked on with mine eye. But then bespake the old lord of Learn. To the duke of France thus he did say, Seeing our children do so well agree, They shall be married ere we go away. The lady of Learn, she was for sent, Throughout Scotland so speedily, To see these two children set up, In their seats of gold full royally, The bailiff's daughter of Islington, the text is formed by a collation of six broadsides printed between 1672 and 1700. They do not, however, present many variations. Here, if anywhere, one would demand license to make alterations and improvements. In stanza 12 the rhymes are almost certainly misplaced, and the last stanza is quite superfluous. It would be much more in keeping with ballad style to end with the twelfth, and many of the variants now sung conclude thus. This ballad is still extremely popular, and not only has it been included in many selections and songbooks, but it is also still in oral tradition. The text. The story is simple and preeminently in the popular vein. Counterparts exist elsewhere in the languages derived from Latin and in Romaic. The story. The bailiff's daughter of Islington. There was a youth, and a well-beloved youth. There. And he was a squire's son. He loved the bailiff's daughter dear, that lived in Islington. She was coy, 
and she would not believe that he did love her so. No, nor at any time she would any countenance to him show. But when his friends did understand his fond and foolish mind, they sent him up to fair London, an apprentice for to bind. And when he had been seven long years, and his love he had not seen, many a tear have I shed for her sake. When she little thought of me, all the maids of Islington went forth to sport and play, all but the bailiff's daughter dear. She secretly stole away. She put off her gown of gray and put on her puggish attire. She's up to fair London gone, her true love to require. As she went along the road, the weather being hot and dry, there was she aware of her true love. At length came riding by. She stepped to him, as red as any rose, and took him by the bridle ring. I pray you, kind sir, give me one penny, to ease my weary limb. I prithee, sweetheart, canst thou tell me, where that thou wast born? At Islington, kind sir, said she, where I have had many a scorn. I prithee, sweetheart, canst thou tell me, whether thou dost know, the bailiff's daughter of Islington? She's dead, sir, long ago. Then I will sell my goodly steed, my saddle and my bow. I will into some far country, where no man doth me know. O stay, O stay, thou goodly youth. She's alive, she is not dead. Here she standeth by thy side, and is ready to be thy bride. O farewell grief, and welcome joy, ten thousand times and more. For now I have seen my own true love that I thought I should have seen no more. Glenlogy. The text is from Sharp's Ballad Book, 1823. It is an extremely popular ballad in Scotland. The text. The story. Lady Jean Melville, in other versions Jean of Bethany, in Aberdeenshire, scarce sixteen years old, falls in love at first sight with Glenlogy, and tells him her mind. But he is already engaged, and Lady Jean takes to her care bed. Her father offers the consolation, usual in such cases, of another and a richer husband. Jean, however, prefers the love of Glenlogy to the euphony of Drumfendrich, and gets her father's chaplain to write a letter to Glenlogy, which is so well indited that it moves him to tears, and all ends happily. The story. Glenlogy. Four and twenty nobles sits in the king's ha. Four. Bonnie Glenlogy is the flower among them. In came Lady Jean, skipping on the floor. And she has chosen Glenlogy Monga that was there. She turned to his footman, and thus she did say, Oh, what is his name? And where does he stay? His name is Glenlogy, when he is from home. He is of the gay Gordons, his name it is John. Glenlogy, Glenlogy, and you will prove kind. My love is laid on you, I am telling my mind. He turned about lightly as the Gordons does a. I thank you, Lady Jean, my loves as promised I would dot. She called on her maidens her bed for to make, her rings and her jewels all from her to take. In came Jeanie's father, a way man was he. Says I'll wed you to Drumfendridge, he has mare gold than he. Her father's own chaplain, being a man of great skill. He wrote him a letter, and indited it well. The first lines he looked at, a light laugh laughed he. But ere he read through it the tears blinded his e. Oh, pale and wan looked she when Glenlogy came in. 
But even Rosie grew she when Glenlegy sat down. Turn round, Jeanie Melville, turn round to this side. And I'll be the bridegroom, and you'll be the bride. Oh, twas a merry wedding, and the portion down told. Of Bonnie Jeanie Melville, who was scarce sixteen years old. King or fail. The text was derived from Mr. Byatt Edmonston's memory of a ballad sung to him by an old man in UNST, Shetland. In the version sung, he notes, there were no stanzas to fill the obvious gap in the story after the first, but that after the fourth and the eighth stanzas, there had been certain verses which he had forgotten. In the first instance, these related that the lady had been carried off by fairies, and that the king, going in search of her, saw her one day among a company that passed into a castle on the hillside. After the eighth stanza, the ballad related that a messenger appeared behind the gray stone and invited the king in. The text. The refrain is a startling instance of phonetic tradition, the words being repeated by rote long after the sense has been forgotten. It appears that the two lines are UNST pronunciation of Danish, and that they mean, respectively, early greens the wood, and where the heart goes yearly. In this connection, compare Arthur Edmonston's A View of the Ancient and Present State of the Zetland Islands, 1809, Volume 1, page 142. The island of UNST was its pure Norse, last abode, and not more than thirty years ago several individuals there could speak it fluently. See also Rev. Dr. Barry's History of the Orkney Islands, 1805, Appendix No. X. Pages 484-490, A Ballad of 35 Quatrains in Norse as Spoken in the Orkneys, the subject of which is a contest between a king of Norway and an earl of Orkney, who had married the king's daughter, in her father's absence, and without his consent. The story. Doubtless few will recognize in this fragment an offshoot of the classical story of Orpheus and Eurydice. The ballad, however, cannot be said to be derived directly from the classical tale. Rather it represents the debris of the medieval romance of Orfeo and Herodis, where the kingdom of Faerie, C4, replaces Hades, and the tale is given a happy ending by the recovery of Eurydice, for whom the Lady Isabel is here the substitute. The romance exists as Orfeo and Herodis in the Auchinleck MS. of the 14th century in the Advocates Library, Edinburgh, as KYNG Orfeo in Ashmole MS. 61 of the 15th century, and as Sir Orfeo in Harleian MS. 3810. The story. Mess. 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 King Orfeo. Der lived a king into dast. Der. Skowen Erle Grun. Der lived a lady in de Wast. War Jorten Han Grun or Lack. Dis king he has a hunt and gain. He's left his lady Isabel Elaine. Oh, I wish ye never gain away. For at your hame is dole and way. For de king o fairy we his dert. Has pierced your lady to de hurt. And after dem de king has gain. But wan he cam it was a gray stain. Den he took oti his pipes to play. Bit ser his hurt why dolen way. And first he played de notes o noy. And dan he played de notes o joy. And dan he played de god Gabriel. Dat Mike Tom made a sick hurt hail. No o come ye in into her ha. And come ye in among wis a dot. Now he's gain in into der ha. And he's gain in among dema. Den he took out his pipes to play. Bit ser his hurt why dolen way. And first he played de notes o noy. 
and dan he played de notes o joy and dan he played de god gabriel dat mike tom made a sick hurt hail no o tell to us what you will hay what saw we jie you for your play what i will hay i will you tell and dat's me lady isabel ye's tack your lady and ye's ganghaim and ye's be king our your ein he's tain his lady and he's gainheim and no he's king our his ein the baffled knight the text is from ravenscroft's didermelia sixteen o nine reprinted almost verbatim in tom durfee's pills to purge melancholy the text the story was sufficiently popular not only to have been revived at the end of the seventeenth century but to have had three other parts added to it the whole four afterwards being combined into one broadside. The story. In similar Spanish, Portuguese, and French ballads, the damsel escapes by saying she is a leper, or the daughter of a leper, or otherwise diseased. Much the same story is told in Danish and German ballads. The baffled knight. Yonder comes a courteous knight. Yonder. Lustily raking over the lay. He was well aware of a bonny lasse as she came wandering over the way. Then she sang down a down, hey down dairy bis. Jove you speed, fair lady, he said, among the leaves that be so green. If I were a king, and wore a crown, full sun, fair lady, shouldst thou be a queen. Also Jove save you, fair lady, among the roses that be so red. If I have not my will of you, full sun, fair lady, shall I be dead. Then he looped east, then he looped west. He looped north, so did he south. He could not find a privy place. For all lay in the devil's mouth. If you will carry me, gentle sir, a maid unto my father's hall, then you shall have your will of me. Under purple and under pall, he set her up upon a steed, and himself upon another. And all the day he rode her by, as though they had been sister and brother when she came to her father's hall. It was well walled round about. She yode in at the wicked gate, and shut the furiered full without. You had me, quoth she, abroad in the field, among the corn, amidst the hay, where you might had your will of me. For, in good faith, sir, I never said nay. Ye had me also amid the field, among the rushes that were so brown, where you might had your will of me but you had not the face to lay me down. He pulled out his nut-brown sword and whipped the rust off with his sleeve and said, Jove's curse come to his heart that any woman would believe when you have your own true love. A mile or twain out of the town, spare not for her gay clothing, but lay her body flat on the ground. Our goodman. The text is from Herd's Mrs., as given by Professor Child to form a regular sequence. The ballad also exists in an English broadside form. The text, MSS. The story of the ballad has a close counterpart in Flemish Belgium and in southern France. The German variants, however, have a curious history. The English broadside ballad was translated into German by F. W. Meyer in 1789, and in this form gained such popularity that it was circulated not only as a broadside, but actually in oral tradition, with the usual result of alteration. Its vogue was not confined to Germany, but spread to Hungary and Scandinavia, a Swedish broadside appearing within ten years of Meyer's translation. The story
Argudnin. Haim came Argudnin. Haim. And Haim came he. And then he saw a saddle horse. Where nay horse should be. What's this now, good wife? What's this I see? How came this horse here? Without the leave o' me? Recitative. A horse, quoth she. I a horse, quoth he. Shame f'a your cuckled face. Ill mat ye see. Tis naething but a broad sow. My minny sent to me. A broad sow, quoth he. I a sow, quoth she. Far hay I ridden. And fairer hay I gain. But a saddle on a sow's back. I never saw none. Hame came our goodman. And hame came he. He spied a pair of jackboots. Where nay boots should be. What's this now, good wife? What's this I see? How came these boots here? Without the leave o' me? Boots, quoth she. Ay, boots, quoth he. Shame f'a your cuckled face. And ill mag ye see. It's but a pair of water stoops. My minnie sent to me. Water stoops, quoth he. Ay, water stoops, quoth she. Far hay I ridden. And fairer hay I gain. But siller spurs on water stoops. I saw never none. Hame came our goodman. And hame came he. And he saw a sword. Where a sword should not be. What's this now, good wife? What's this I see? How came this sword here? Without the leave o' me? A sword, quoth she. Ay, a sword, quoth he. Shame f'a your cuckled face. Ill mat ye see. It's but a porridge spurtle. My minnie sent to me. A spurtle, quoth he. Ay, a spurtle, quoth she. Far hay I ridden. And fairer hay I gain. But siller handed spurtless. I saw never none. Hame came our goodman. And hame came he. There he spied a powdered wig. Where nay wig shall be. What's this now, good wife? What's this I see? How came this wig here? Without the leave o' me? A wig, quoth she. I a wig, quoth he. Shame f'a your cuckled face. And ill match you see. Tis naything but a clock and hen. My minnie sent to me. Clock and hen, quoth he. I clock and hen, quoth she. Far hay I ridden. And fairer hay I gain. But powder on a clock and hen. I saw never none. Hame came our goodman. And hame came he. And there he saw a muckle coat. Where nay coat shall be. What's this now, good wife? What's this I see? How came this coat here? Without the leave o' me? A coat, quoth she. Ay, a coat, quoth he. Shame f'a your cuckled face. Ill mat ye see. It's but a pair o' blankets. My minnie sent to me. Blankets, quoth he. Ay, blankets, quoth she. Far hay I ridden. And fairer hay I gain. But buttons upon blankets. I saw never none. Ben went our goodman. And Ben went he. And there he spied a sturdy man. Where nay man shall be. What's this now, good wife? What's this I see? How came this man here? Without the leave o' me? A man, quoth she. Ay, a man, quoth he. Poor blind body. And blinder mat ye be. It's a new milking maid. My mither sent to me. A maid, quoth he. Ay, a maid, quoth she. 
far hay I ridden, and fairer hay I gain. But lang-bearded maidens, I saw never none, the friar in the well. The text is taken from Buchan's Mises, the Scots version being rather more condensed than the corresponding English broadside. There is a reference to this ballad in Monday's Downfall of Robert, Earl of Huntington, 1598, but earlier still, Skelton hints at it in Colin Clute. The text, MSS. The story can be paralleled in French, Danish, and Persian ballads and tales, but is simple enough to have been invented by almost any people. Compare also the story of the Wright's Chaste Wife by Adam of Cobb Sam, E.T.S., 1865, edition F. J. Furnival. The story. The Friar in the Well. O hearken and hear, and I will you tell. O hearken. Sing, Faldadi, Faldadadi. Of a friar that loved a fair maiden well. Sing, Faldadadi dd bis. The friar he came to this maiden's bedside and asking for her maidenhead. Oh, I would grant you your desire. If t were enough for fear, O oh, hell's burning fire. O oh, hell's burning fire, ye need have no doubt. Although you were in, I could whistle you out. Oh, if I grant you this thing. Some money you unto me must bring. He brought her the money, and did it down tell. She had a white cloth spread over the well. Then the fair maid cried out that her master was come. Oh, said the friar, then where shall I run? Oh, you will go in behind yon screen. And then by my master you winna be seen. Then in behind the screen she him sent. But he fell into the well by accident. Then the friar cried out with a piteous moan. Oh, help! Oh, help me! Or else I am gone. You said you wad whistle me out, O oh, hell. Now whistle your eyes sell out o oh, the well. She helped him out and bade him be gone. The friar he asked his money again. As for your money, there is no much matter. To make you pay more for jumbling our water. Then all who hear it commend this fair maid. For the nimble trick to the friar she played. The friar he walked on the street. And shaking his lugs like a well-washing sheep. The knight and the shepherd's daughter. The text is given here from Kinlach's MSS. He gives also three other versions and various fragments. The tale is also found amongst the Roxbury ballads, as the beautiful shepherdess of Arcadia, in two broadsides printed about 1655 and 1680. This is the only English version extant. But earlier than any text of the ballad is a quotation from it in John Fletcher's The Pilgrim, 4. 2. 1621. The Scots versions, about a dozen in number, are far more lively than the broadside. Buchan printed two of sixty and sixty-three stanzas respectively. Another text is delightfully inconsequent. The text. MSS. Some say me Jack, some say me John. Some say me Jingjie Lee. But when I am in the Queen's court, Earl Hitchcock they say me. Hitchcock, Hitchcock, Joe Janet, she said. And spelled it our again. Hitchcock, it's a Latin word. Earl Richard is your name but when he saw she was book-learned. Fast to his horse hide he. Both this version, from the Gib M.S., and one of Buchan's introduced the domestic genius known as the Billy Blinn, for whom see Young Bikie, first series, page 6, ff, Willie's Lady, page 19 of this volume, and Cospatrick, page 26, M.S., page 19, page 26.
the story. The king of France's all doctor, disguised as a shepherdess, is accosted by sweet William, brother to the queen of Scotland, who gives his name as Wilfa Will, varied by Jack and John. He attempts to escape, but she follows him to court and claims him in marriage from the king. He tries to avoid discovery by pretending to be a cripple, but she knows him, refuses to be bribed, marries him, and finally reveals herself to him. The Story The denouement of the story is reminiscent of the marriage of Sir Gawain, first series, pages 107-118. to A Danish ballad, Ebi Galt, has similar incidents. The Knight and the Shepherd's Daughter There was a shepherd's doctor. There kept sheep upon yon hill, and by cam a gay bra gentleman, and wad hay had his will. He took her by the milk-white hand, and laid her on the ground, and wan he got his will o' her, he lift her up again. O sign ye ve got your will o' me, your will o' me ye ve tain. Tis all I ask o' you, kind sir, is to tell to me your name. Sometimes they call me Jack, he said. Sometimes they call me John, but one I am in the king's court. My name is Wilfa Will. Then he lew on his milk-white steed, and strode away he rayed, and she did kilt her petticoats, and after him she geed. He never was essay kind as say, O lassie, will you ride? Nor ever had she the courage to say, O laddie, will ye bide? Until they came to a warm water, which was called Clyde. And then he turned about his horse. Said Lassie, will ye ride? I learned it in my father's hall. I learned it from my wheel. That one I come to deep water. I can swim as it were an eel. I learned it in my mother's bower. I learned it from my better. That one I come to broad water. I can swim like any otter. He plunged his steed into the ford. And straightway through he rayed and she set in her lily feet, and through the water wade, and once she came to the king's court, she turled on the pin, and wa essay readies the king himself, to let the fair maid in? What is your will why me, fair maid? What is your will why me? There is a man into your court. This day has robbed me. Oh, has he tain your gold, he said, or has he tain your fee, or has he stown your maidenhead? The flower of your body? He has not tain my gold, kind sir. Nor as little has he tain my fee. But he has tain my maidenhead. The flower of my body. O jif he be a married man. High hang it shall he be. But jif he be a bachelor. His body I'll grant thee. Sometimes they call him Jack, she said. Sometimes they call him John. But when he's in the king's court... His name is Sweet William. There's not a William in a my court. Never one but three. And one of them is the queen's brother. I wad laugh jiff at war he. The king called on his merry men. By thirty and by three. Sweet Willie, why used to be foremost man, was the hindmost of but three. Oh, he came cripple, and he came blind. Cam T.W.A. falled o'er a tree. Oh, be he cripple or be he blind. This very same man is he. Oh, whether will ye marry the bonny may? Or hang on the gallows tree? Oh, I will rather marry the bonny may. Afore that I do die. But he took out a purse of gold. Will locked in a glove. 
O tack you that, my bonnie may, and seek on the love. O I will hae none o' your gold, she says, nor as little ony of your fee. But I will hae your ain body. The king has granted me. O he took out a purse of gold. A purse of gold in store. O tack you that, fair may, he said. Frame me ye'll ne'er get mare. O haud your tongue, young man, she says, and I pray you let me be. For I will hae your ain body. The king has granted me. He mounted her on a bonny bay horse. Hemsel on the silver gray. He drew his bonnet out o'er his een. He whipped and rayed away. O one they came to yon nettle bush. The nettles they wore spread. O and my mitha wore but here, she says. These nettles she wad snid. O and I had drank the wan water. One I did drink the wine. That e'er a shepherd's doctor. Should hae been a love o' mine. Oh, maybe I'm a shepherd's doctor. And maybe I am none, eh? But you might hae ridden on your ways. And hae let me elaine. Oh, one they came unto yon mill. She heard the mill clap. Clap on, clap on, thou bonny mill. Will may thou, I say. For mony a time thou's filled my pock. Why bathe oat meal and gray? Oh, and I had drank the wan water. One I did drink the wine. That e'er a shepherd's doctor. Should hae been a love o' mine. Oh, maybe I'm a shepherd's doctor. And maybe I am nanny. But you might hae ridden on your ways. And hae let me elaine. But yet I think a fitter match. Could scarcely gang thegither. Than the king of France's all doctor. And the queen of Scotland's brither. Get up and bar the door. The text is from Heard's Ancient and Modern Scots Songs, 1769 which is almost identical with a copy in Johnson's museum. Another variant, also given in the museum, was contributed by Burns, who made it shorter and more dramatic. The text. The story of this farcical ballad has long been popular in many lands, European and Oriental, and has been introduced as an episode in English, French, and German plays. A close parallel to the ballad may be found in Straparola, Day 8, First Story. The story. 8. Get up and bar the door. It fell about the Martimus time. It. And a gay time it was then. When our good wife got puddings to make. And she's boiled them in the pan. The wind essay called blew south and north. And blew into the floor. Quoth our good men to our good wife. Gee out and bar the door. My hand is in my hussif skep. Goodman, as ye may see. And it shall nay be barred this hundred year. It's no be barred for me. They made a pact high on tween them TWA. They made it firm and sure. That the first word where shall speak. Shall rise and bar the door. Then by there came two gentlemen. At twelve o'clock at night. And they could neither see house nor hall. Nor coal nor candlelight. Now whether is this a rich man's house. Or whether is it a poor but ne'er a word wad ain't know them speak. For barring of the door. And first they ate the white puddings. And then they ate the black. Though Muckle thought the good wife to her soul. Yet ne'er a word she spake. Then said the one unto the other. Here man tack you my knife. Dee tack eft the old man's beard. And I'll kiss the good wife. But there's nay water in the house. And what shall we do then? What ails ye at the pudding brew? That boils into the pan? 
Oh, up then started our goodman. An angry man was he. Will ye kiss my wife before my een? And essayed me why pudding brie? Then up and started our good wife. Gee, I had three skips on the floor. Goodman, you've spoken the foremost word. Get up and bar the door. End of the second series. The Great Silky of Sulskeri, page 63. Page 63. Since the version given in the text was in type, my friend Mr. A. Francis Stewart of Edinburgh has kindly pointed out to me the following fuller and better variant of the ballad, which was unknown to Professor Child. It may be found in our Menzies Ferguson's Rambling Sketches in the Far North in Arcadian Musings, 1883, pages 140 to 141, whence I have copied it, only adding the numbers to the stanzas. Since the gray selchie of Schulskeri. In Norway lands there lived a maid. In Hush, Bie Lu Lily, this maid began. I know not where my baby's father is. Whether by land or sea does he travel in. It happened on a certain day. When this fair lady fell fast asleep. That in came a good gray selchie. And set him doon at her bed feet. Saying, Awack, awack, my pretty fair maid. For oh, how sound as thou dost sleep, and I'll tell thee where thy baby's father is. He's sitting close at thy bed feet. I pray, come tell to me thy name. Oh, tell me where does thy dwelling be? My name it is Good Hind Mailer, and I earn my living owed to the sea. I am a man upon the land. I am a selchie in the sea, and when I'm far fray every strand, my dwelling is in Shul Scary. Alas, alas, this woeful fate, this weary fate that's been laid for me, that a man should come fray the Wastohoi, to the Norway lands to have a barren why me. My dear, I'll wed thee with a ring. With a ring, my dear, I'll wed why thee. Thou may go wed thee weddings why whom thou wilt. For I'm sure thou'll never wed none why me. Thou will nurse my little wee son. For seven long years you'll thy knee and at the end o' oh, seven long years. I'll come back and pay the nourish fee. She's nursed her little wee son. For seven long years you her knee. And at the end o' oh, seven long years. He came back why gold and white money. She says, my dear, I'll wed thee why a ring. With a ring, my dear, I'll wed why thee. Thou may go wed thee weddings why whom thou will. For I'm sure thou'll never wed none why me. But I'll put a gold chain around his neck and a guy good gold chain it'll be. That if ever he comes to the Norway lands, though may hay a guy good guess on high, and though will get a gunner good, and a guy good gunner it will be, and he'll de on a May morning, and shoot the sun and the gray selchie. Oh, she has got a gunner good, and a guy good gunner it was he, and he deed ot on a May morning, and he shot the sun and the gray selchie. When the gunner returned from his expedition and showed the Norway woman the gold chain, which he had found round the neck of the young seal, the poor woman, realizing that her son had perished, gives expression to her sorrow in the last stanza. Alas! Alas! This woeful fate! This weary fate that's been laid for me! And Anne so twice she sobbed and sighed. And her tender heart did brack in three. The Lykewake Dirge, page 88. The Lykewake Dirge. Page 88. Art though I won't at Lichwake. 
Any plays for to make? John MYRCS Instructions for Parish Priests, circa 1450. John MYRC. Aubrey S. version of the Lykewake Dirge is printed, more or less correctly, in the following places. Aubrey. I. Brand. Observations on Popular Antiquities, Edition Ellis, 1813, 2. 180-81, not in first edition of Brand. 2. W. J. Toms. Anecdotes and Traditions, Camden Society, 1839, pages 88 to 90, and notes pages 90 to 91, which are reprinted by Britain, see below. 3. W. K. Kelly. Curiosities of Indo European Tradition and Folklore, 1863, pages 116 to 17. 4. Edward Peacock. In Notes, pages 90 to 92. To John MYRC's Instructions for Parish Priests, ETS, 1868. Reedited by F. J. Furnival for the ETS, 1902, where the notes are on pages 92 to 94. V. James Britton. Aubrey's Remains of Gentilism and Judaism, the whole MS. Edited for the Folklore Society, 1881, pages 30 to 32. MS. Aubrey's remarks and side notes are as follow, Lansdowne M.S., 231, Folios 114 Recto. M.S. From Mr. Matisse, in whose father's youth, S.C. about sixty years since now, 1686, at country vulgar funerals, was sung this song. At the funerals in Yorkshire, to this day, they continued the custom of watching and sitting up all night till the body is in Hearst. In the interim some kneel down and pray, by the core, some play at cards, some drink and take tobacco, they have also mimical plays and sports, e.g. they choose a simple young fellow to be a judge, then the suppliants, having first blacked their hands by rubbing it under the bottom of the pot, beseech his low, i.e. lordship, and smut all his face. They play likewise at hot cockles. Side note, juvenile, sadder too. 2. Essia liquos manis, et subterranea regna, et contum, and stigio ranas in gurgite nigris. Ac. Una transire vadem tot milia simba. This belief in Yorkshire was amongst the vulgar, and faps is in part still, that after the person's death, the soul went over winnie more, win is a furs. Side note, until about 1616, 1624, at the funeral a woman came, like a prefica, and sung this following song. Then follow several verses scratched out, and then the dirge, to which, however, is prefixed the remark. This not ye first verse. As regards the doubtful reading sleet for fleet, there is curiously contradictory evidence. Pennant, in his tour in Scotland, in Cluck 6. Chester, 1771, pages 91 to 92, remarks. In Cluck 6. On the death of a Highlander, the cord being stretched on a board, and covered with a coarse linen wrapper, the friends lay on the breast of the deceased a wooden platter, containing a small quantity of salt and earth, separate and unmixed, the earth, an emblem of the corruptible body, the salt, an emblem of the immortal spirit. All fire is extinguished where a core is kept, and it is reckoned so ominous, for a dog or cat to pass over it, that the poor animal is killed without mercy. The late wake is a ceremony used at funerals. The evening after the death of any person, the relations and friends of the deceased meet at the house, attended by bagpipe or fiddle. The nearest of kin, be it wife, 
son, or daughter, opens a melancholy ball, dancing and greeting, i.e. crying violently at the same time, and this continues till daylight, but with such gambles and frolics, among the younger part of the company, that the loss which occasioned them is often more than supplied by the consequences of that night. If the corps remains unbared for two nights the same rites are renewed. The Rev. J. C. Atkinson, on the other hand, states the contrary regarding the fire. See his Glossary of the Cleveland Dialect, 1868, page 595. He supposes fleet to be equivalent to the Cleveland flet, live embers. The usage, hardly extinct even yet in the district, was on no account to suffer the fire in the house to go out during the entire time the corpse lay in it, and throughout the same time a candle was, or is yet, invariably kept burning in the same room with the corpse. Bishop Kennett, in Lansdowne, M.S., 1033, folios 132, confirms Aubrey's gloss of fleet equals water, in quoting the first verse of the dirge. He adds, hence the fleet, fleet ditch, in London. Sax fliad, amnes flivius, mess. The brig o dread, which is perhaps a corruption of the bridge of the dead, Winnymore, and the Helshun, have parallels in many folklores. Thus, for the brig, the Mohammedans have their alcirate, finer than a hair, sharper than a razor, stretched over the midst of hell. The early Scandinavian mythology told of a bridge over the river Gile on the road to hell. In Snorri's Edda, when Hermod went to seek the soul of Balver, he was told by the keeper of the bridge, a maiden named Modgutter, that the bridge rang beneath no feet save his. Similarly, Virgil tells us that Karen's boat, which is also a parallel to the brig, was almost sunk by the weight of Aeneas. Winnie Moore is also found in Norse and German mythology. It has to be traversed by all departed souls on their way to the realms of Hell or Hela, the goddess of death. These realms were not only a place of punishment, all who died went there, even the gods themselves taking nine days and nights on the journey. The souls of Eskimo traveled to Torngarsic, where perpetual summer reigns, but the way thither is five days slide down a precipice covered with the blood of those who have gone before. The passage of Winnymore or its equivalent is facilitated by Helshun. These are obtained by the soul in various ways. The charitable gift of a pair of shoes during life assures the right to use them in crossing Winnymore, or a pair must be burned with the corpse, or during the wake. In one of his dialogues, Lucian makes the wife of Eucrates return for the slipper which they had forgotten to burn. Another parallel, though more remote, to the Helshun, is afforded by the account of one William Staunton, who, like so many others, was privileged to see a vision of purgatory and of the earthly paradise on the first Friday after the Feast of the Exaltation of the Cross in the year 1409. Accounts of such experiences, it may be remarked here, were popular from the 10th century onwards amongst the Anglo-Saxons and English, especially after the middle of the 12th century, when the story of the famous S.D. Patrick's Purgatory was first published. William Staunton relates, Royal M.S., 17b, 43. In the British Museum, that in one part of purgatory, as he went along the side of a water, the which was black and foul to sight, he saw on the further side a tower, with a fair woman standing thereon, and a ladder against the tower. But it was so little, as methought that it wold onathy, scarcely, bare ony thing, and the first rome of the ladder was so that onathy might my finger reach thirdo, And that rome was sharper than ony razor, hearing a grisly noise coming towards him. 
William marked himself with a prayer, and the noise vanished, and he saw a rope let down over the ladder from the top of the tower. And when the woman had drawn him safely to the top, she told him that the cord was one that he had once given to a chapman who had been robbed. Mess. The whole subject of S.T. Patrick's purgatory is extremely interesting, but it is outside our present scope, and can best be studied in connection with the mythology of the Lykewake Dirge in Thomas Wright's S.T. Patrick's Purgatory, 1844. The popularity of the story is attested by accounts extant in some 35 Latin and English misses in the British Museum, in the Bodleian, at Cambridge, and at Edinburgh. Calderon wrote a drama round the myth, El Purgatorio de San Patricio, Robert Southia Ballad, and an early poem of George Withers, Lost in M.S., treated of the same subject. Recently the tale has received attention in G. P. Crap's Legend of S.T. Patrick's Purgatory, Baltimore, 1900. M.S.S. M.S. A correspondent in Notes and Queries, 9th Sir. 12. 475, December 12, 1903 remarks that the Leashwake is still spoken of in the Peak District of Derbyshire. Index of Titles Index of First Lines Constable